Victoria. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, my first guest today is Gary Meyer, the radio legend, as I always call him, a radio Hall of Famer. Uh, Gary, how you doing, buddy? C-squared, what's up? Uh, not much is up. Uh, I definitely am thrilled to have you on. I had invited you on a Friday, and some things got a little uh, uh, loopy, and so I think loopy is a word you used to use, and so now you're here. Um, which one of these topics that I sent you do you want to do first? Do you want to talk about hibernation season being over for bears? Right into the topics. No. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Buy me lunch. All right, but sorry. Gary, Gary Meyer does a podcast, a, a, a vlog, a video thing on social media, which is great. Uh, GaryMeyer.com is a great way to find that. What else do you need me to do to set you up, Gary? How old are you, Craig? I'm almost 40 now. Yeah, because I want to make sure that whatever references I make are going to be a hit or a miss. <laughs> and this happens now when you talk to somebody of different generations. Yeah. You, you'll say something and they look at you like when a dog hears a weird noise, you know how their head goes back and forth like a yes. bobblehead? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, I had, go ahead. I had a Gen Zer on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about their orbit. And we're talking, what, 11 to 29-year-olds in yeah. that vicinity. And I read where Gen Zers are getting into touch-tone phones, those old touch yes. not like there's Well, there aren't any new ones that I can see, although you can <laughs> still buy them. And the reason they're into that phone is because the sitcoms that they watched in the 90s are nostalgic to them, and they saw all these people in the sitcoms uh-huh. using those phones, yep. and they would lie in bed and talk on the phone, and they would play with the cord, <laughs> and they liked that, and that's why they're going to Urban Outfitters. If you've ever been to an Urban Outfitter, they have a whole table of this <laughs> stuff that I grew up with, but it's it's kitsch. It's, yes. it's, it's a thing now mm-hmm. because it's so retro, yeah. so they'll have a little Etch-A-Sketch, and and anything from that era, Polaroid camera. By the way, all those stuff. all those things are like fifteen dollars or more now. You you buy a etch a sketch for like twenty five bucks since it's retro yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah, and you put it on your coffee table, and it's just kind of a, I guess, a conversation piece. <laughs> but I think it's funny uh-huh. that all this stuff is now cute, mm-hmm. and that's what the Gen Zers are getting into. Yeah, and I was thinking there should be research done on life before the internet sure and after the internet to see if people's nervous systems have been completely shot since the internet came in because before the internet you didn't have all of this stuff floating around so quickly where you had to digest it or try to digest it yes and now it's just a bombardment every day and i think people and we were talking right before we went on a lot of people that I've talked to seem to be going through this fugazi, this woozy, this wazi that's out there, and it's just nutty time. Are you feeling that? Or I am, oh, yeah. Me? For sure I'm feeling that. And there, I think there's a bunch of things that cause it. I think sometimes it's interactions you have with other people in the world that we live. Sometimes it's what you look at on the television or on the news. And, and maybe there's just like a haze kind of following all of us around. And uh, some people seem to... Uh, deal with the haze better than others, I, I guess I would say as well. But the the whole point of 24-hour news, which we didn't have, say, prior to 40 years ago, and that's another 
thing that added into our our whole sure. psyche of oh my god the earth is is going to blow up any minute now <laughs> and that 24/7 news cycle uh-huh. because their whole point is to keep you glued to their yes. broadcast oh, so yeah. they can sell commercials For sure. so they can sell Jardians commercials and if you've ever seen that Jardians commercial it makes diabetes look fun because <laughs> Well, yeah. Apparently, all you want to do when you have diabetes is dance. Right. You you take some Jardians, and then everything's great. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I wonder- it's, it's it's really remarkable yeah. how they're making these yeah. these diseases or maladies look like fun. I wonder what's mixed in with the Jardians. Do you think there's like crack or something in there that people don't know it's about like, that pushes you another well, way? If you've seen those commercials, they look pretty happy, <laughs> and they've got diabetes. Yeah. Well, you know, they also got Jardians. Um, all right. <laughs> that, was, that was a great start to this. Do I do topics now? I feel like I'm turning into your producer again. I worked with you when I was in my 20s, and today I was saying yeah. something kind of connected to what you were just saying about watching Bulls games with Michael Jordan when I was a kid. And a, uh, a young person behind me said, oh, yeah, I wasn't born for another, like, 10 years uh, after yeah. Jordan retired from the Bulls. Those things hurt when I hear them the other way now. Uh, Craig, there are people that are now walking the earth that weren't born when 9-11 happened. I know. I know. That's crazy. That is. That's, but that's what we do. We, we put it in these uh, time frames and drive ourselves nuts. Anyway, I know you have to do topics because legally, I guess radio stations have to do how many topics a day. Otherwise, you lose your license. <laughs> no, it's fine. We, we can talk about whatever you want, Gary. If you got something else, uh, I don't care at all. Are, I, are I, you ready? Craig, are you ready for the weather whiplash that's coming i've been calling it weather mageddon and it, it sounds like it's going to be horrible um at some point today uh we're supposed to have a giant drop in temperature I, I said and i actually wonder what you think of this gary why do we describe hail as like an egg size why is that the best small to medium size thing to describe what hail size we're going to get well, that's a good point because again we go to the news media and when they re- report things hail has several sizes it's pea size right it's marble size yes it's baseball size it's grapefruit size Correct. because i guess that's what they figure people will understand the same thing with measurement have you noticed when they're telling you about something and they're telling you how big it is it's the size of three statue of liberty <laughs> or four football fields or yes. three empire state buildings yeah. because we can't figure it out any other way well i also wonder how you pay into the advertising of that like is big grapefruit getting a lot of the grapefruit mentions by paying for them or is there somebody else you, you wonder yeah you, yeah, do. you wonder if somebody's <laughs> passing some money under the table the grapefruit right. industry the lobby right yeah if the hail is small yeah. enough we could call it jardian sized at least the pill size <laughs> and then that'd be great there you go brother right. now getting back to the weather i have been saying for years now that the supreme being or whatever you believe in is a prankster because if you really think about it this whole existence is one big joke yes there's no meaning this whole oh there are ufos out there there are there aren't any ufos there's nothing out there it's just us on this marble in the blackness floating around we have no idea why and and this weather whiplash is just another indication of why the supreme being is a prankster. Yeah, I don't know why anyone it's ever be seventy, <laughs> and then it's going to be thirty in about four hours. I don't know why anyone ever described you as one of the funniest people on radio, and also at times one of the most cynical of people on radio. I don't know where that comes from when you say we're just out in the blackness. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really disgusted by all of it. <laughs> I can't believe that people would say those things. <laughs>
Uh, by the way, I always get a lot of uh, reactions to when Gary Meyer does the show. I don't know why I just referred to you. Uh, Mostly from your management, right? <laughs> no, not at no. all. Uh, people are thrilled <laughs> to hear from you. They always ask about the stuff you did in Peoria when you were, um, uh, you know, a giant, giant thing in Chicago radio uh, for quite some time of your career. Honestly, I think your whole career, you were probably you well, know, at the top of the chain. But but what we would do? do these, go ahead. We would do these live shows, and Peoria was on our tour. And I remember, I think we brought our magic act into Peoria, and I'll never forget this because my partner and I had this act where, this trick, where I would get in a basket and then he would put swords inside the basket. Sure. It's a, a pretty well-known trick that's out there. You've seen it probably. Sure. Well, the whole trick is you have to contort yourself so the swords go in a certain way and miss you, obviously. Otherwise, there would be a lot of casualties on that trip. <laughs> uh-huh. But but it's very confining, and I could never do it today. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more claustrophobic. But here's what happened. I get in the basket. He puts the lid on, and instead of putting the swords in, the trick would take about two or three minutes, he sat on top of the basket and started talking. He did a monologue <laughs> for about eight, nine minutes, and I'm freaking out. Yeah, that's not I fair. Get out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not I, nice. I, I remember that, so that's a memory. And is there still a steak and shake in Peoria? There's a couple, yes. Yeah, that was one of our first and last stops going through Peoria. We loved and still do steak and shake. The one on the river? Is that the one that you'd go to all the time? I, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah. You know, you just mentioned the like magic trick stuff, and it reminds me of a time in radio that I'm sad that I missed when someone would be an idiot uh, within the team. Like, you'd send the producer... I think one of the other guys I work with, his favorite story is putting a producer in the trunk of a car and checking the shocks of the car on, on the radio by having them bounce around and him complain about how much it was hurting back there. Uh, do you remember any stuff like that that you guys did throughout your... I know there's a bunch of it we, uh, throughout your career. Go we, ahead. Were, we were not... Uh, maybe uh, you heard stuff as far as we were doing stunts. We never planned a stunt for the radio... We did things that were organic to how we thought, and sure. I don't know if it was something that other people would call a stunt, but it wasn't meant to be a stunt. If I could figure out stunts that would elevate <laughs> the, the listenership and, sure. and all that, then I'd be a billionaire right. because nobody knows which ones are going to work or not. But a lot of guys on radio do these stupid things, and they're, they're really nothing burgers. And, and that's why radio has gotten over the years this name of a bunch of buffoons mm-hmm. well so yeah not I, on your station of course Craig. not no thank is, you is a plus we are exactly correct thank you very much sir now you know what's funny is i have i've submitted some of these ideas uh that you're talking about to the the people that i work with and just the the fear of like legal repercussions seems a lot worse now than it used to be i the fear of being well, injured seems a lot worse now than it used to be in a lot of ways but those seem like the biggest negatives whenever i throw them something well, I guess I won't pitch this then to your management where I'm thinking of gigantic sticky traps along the southern border, and you could put the station's logo on the sticky trap. So it'll get a lot of press because there's always going to be people stuck on the trap, sure. and then the station could benefit. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I'm no. probably not going to – I don't know. I'm not the decision maker here, Gary, as I've, I'm very really? much aware. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> you need to be in management. No, I don't think they want me there. Um, I don't even know what else to do. You want to take a break and chat a little bit more about whatever? 
It's up to you, Craig. Yeah, I'll keep Gary Meyer if Gary Meyer can stay. If you stay. want to toss me, I know no. radio is famous for it. They got a guest, and oh, God, I'm going to lose this guy. Hey, we got a commercial break, and then they disappear. Yeah. No, 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 I'd love to have you stay. I know I got to hit a break, though, so uh, we'll take a okay. second. Gary Meyer will hang in. Uh, 1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM, all over the internet. WMBD Radio. The help, better life. What am I, what am I going to do when you're not here to talk? 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. My guest on the phone is Gary Meyer, Radio Hall of Famer, and I'm going to set it up way better this time after screwing it the first time. GaryMeyer.com is the website to go to to check out all of his podcasts. There is a way to become a premium Gear Force member. I always like that you called yourself the Gear Force and talked about the Dreamliner, uh, but you can get more episodes, more Gary, more stuff by going that way. And then also you can find him on social media, Facebook, um, wh- wherever. And uh, he does a live Friday show that's pretty great, too. Uh, Gary, how you doing? Thanks, Craig. Yep, Some yep. of the stuff you sent me as possible, talking points, you sent me this video of this bear coming out of a crawl space because hibernation season is just about over. And I'm looking at this bear squeeze through this little square side of this building, and I'm thinking, this is a bear that could be in Hamas because Hamas apparently <laughs> likes to go through tunnels. Uh-huh. This bear could be part of Hamas. Yeah. No, the the skill set of bears is something I wasn't familiar with until that video. I didn't know that they had that, like, ability to jello themselves into a, a confined space. And it does make me more afraid of bears, uh, especially if you mentioned that they could become terrorists. That, that feels like a couple extra avenues to making it really terrible. I, I was amazed at how that bear could squeeze through yeah. that and it did and boy that was quite a nap it had it looked like it was oh well that was good now yeah now i'm, I'm ready to go, go. Oh, what did you yeah, think of the f- i'm gonna go and maul some bikers yeah what did you think about the fact that in pittsburgh you're only going to be allowed to have fifty thousand phone calls to the police after that number they're done for the year uh that was a recent okay. headline out there yeah and even more odd was they said from three to seven a.m they're only going to have 27 officers will patrol the entire city from 3 to 7. And I'm thinking, why would you announce that? Because any <laughs> ne'er-do-well is going to think, well, that's when I'm going to do my ne'er-do-welling. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. There seems like a lot of really bad. I just hate the idea that if you're five fifty thousand and one, you're probably getting the phone call like, sorry, we're full for the year. We're not doing any more work until 2025. That's got to hurt when you're calling in for whatever reason to the police. The concept there I read they usually get 200,000 calls and 150,000 are going to go to voicemail because uh, they won't be things that they have to address right away. They have some system, but yeah, that all seems odd. And I think it's all going electronic, like the self checkout at the grocery store. Sure. Don't go there. Uh, don't do that <laughs> because that's going to eliminate jobs. That's yeah. all that's happening. Do jobs you, are being eliminated. Do you think it's and odd that this... You, oh, go ahead. What were you, say what you want to say. No, I was just going to finish the thought here on AI and everything that's erupting. I don't know if you saw this, but Tyler Perry has a big studio complex in Atlanta, and he was going to spend $800 million to expand more sound stages and whatnot. And then he started using AI, and he's halted all of that because he said, I don't need to have sets and sound stages. I can push a button and and create a backdrop. Yeah. And that's 
scary. That's terrifying. I was going to ask you what you thought of the um, self-checkout growing. If you've seen one recently at a grocery store, they now have the conveyor belt, which actually doesn't feel good. It feels worse when you go shopping alone. You scan the items, conveyor belt them down to the other side of the thing, and then walk down and do the second job of bagging them all up and putting them in your cart. I don't know why that was, unless you haven't seen it, why that was like the evolution of the self-checkout, that it's now no longer a small thing that I do all in one spot, but I essentially send it to the other lack of worker uh, in the second spot to go ahead and do that second job. What I have to ask you now that you've said conveyor belt, is there a wet spot on the conveyor belt <laughs> like there always is? I think so. Isn't there always a wet spot yeah. when you're getting ready to put your stuff on there? Yeah, I make one if there's not one because I'll feel uncomfortable. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remind me not to come in behind you. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. Uh, another one I love out there that I saw was pretty uh, that I thought was pretty funny is the teacher who got in trouble for um, uh, using swords in school. She was intru- instructing her students on how to fight. I think this was in New Mexico. Uh, did you have any reactions to that story? Yeah, this was out of Albuquerque. This teacher brought two swords, real swords, into class, and they she had these kids. Sword fighting. And they'd move all the desks back and had this little arena in the classroom, and these kids would sword fight. One got cut. Yeah. And when they pulled her into the office, she said the concept was to demonstrate the science of metal and melding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. And I'm glad they fired her before she decided to do the class on gunpowder's history. <laughs> Uh, did you ever have anything crazy happen in school? Uh, is there anything you can tell me that's like a, a personal story in that? Because I don't remember school ever being fun like this. You call that fun? Okay, I, I do. Sword, that... sword fighting in school sounds pretty fun to me. Right. When it's become Game of Thrones, <laughs> we've turned the fun corner. <laughs> yes, I, I, w- I would say so. Um, uh, another one out there. Happened, yeah, go ahead. What happened to teachers just wanting to have sex with the students? I guess that's no fun anymore. <laughs> I think that's still happening. I still see stories occasionally on that one. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this take or you've, you've had it a lot. I don't know why they're so good looking, uh, the, the female teachers uh, who do that. I don't know if that's a, a right. controversial thing right. to say, but it's, it's always right. confused me. What? Careful what, now. Is that too far? No, this isn't a free-for-all. There are rules when you're on the public airwaves. <laughs> okay. All right. That one's a rule. I, thank you for that, sir. I, I very much uh, appreciate it. Um, one other well, one. Think about this teacher yeah. for just a second, and I, I always do this when there's a story this odd. The person wakes up, showers or doesn't, whatever that option is, and they go, oh, I'm going to bring two swords to my classroom today and then have students sword fight, and they actually do it. <laughs> Are, do you mean thought that's executed? Yeah. yeah. Do you mean that, like, from the moment you showered and put the swords in your bag with your other stuff, you should have at some point before you got out at school and walked into the classroom rethought this right. decision? There, yeah. See, there should be a circuit breaker. I'm sure Catholic, and I have this guilt that's built in. Circuit. It's a circuit breaker. <laughs> if I'm doing something that's going down the road of wrong, the right. circuit breaker goes off, and I stop. Yeah. And. That would have been, I look at the swords and think, I should bring these to the class, and then I go, no. You know, it's interesting, actually. I love picturing that all the way through, because the moment when the teacher is handing the real sword to the small child, that's the moment where the circuit breaker really should have set off, if not before. Right. As you're looking back at this little kid, both hands up, holding the sword and, and thinking, maybe I shouldn't. I go Or the second sword to the second kid. It's one of those two swords. In the news story that you sent me, they show video of these kids sword fighting in the classroom, and they pixelated the teacher sitting 
off to the side, and they pixelated her out as if we don't want to embarrass her or <laughs> innocent until proven guilty. What's right. the problem here? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I love that. All right, one last one that I, I did send you was people complaining about a bunch of wild turkeys. Uh, I think this is in Staten Island. Uh, they'd really like the government to clean up the wild turkeys, and apparently Staten Island has said, no, you're just going to have to accept them for a while. Do you have a reaction to that one? I, I, yeah, that's a pretty weird one. They are so predominant now that and everywhere that they've just decided, well, let's just accommodate them and get used to them. What's next? Giving them a pronoun? Where does it end, Craig? <laughs> well, I am curious, too, if you if you have that issue and you're like, we just have to get used to this, if somehow it connects to COVID. And what I mean by that is when we all went inside for a while, the animals got the animals got very, uh, um, you know, confident, I believe. What yeah. did you, you say, Mark? You, Send the, sword, send the swords to Staten Island. Send the swords to Staten Island. Thank you. What is that, Gary? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know. Okay, you're going to have your next call is going to be from PETA. Get ready. <laughs> I hear from them occasionally, uh, but no, it'll be fine. Well, thank you very much for everything you did hanging out with us. Always a pleasure. I got to get you, Peoria. There you go. I got to get to the news. Before I do, though, I'm going to give you a whole minute sure to promote do. anything you want to promote, uh, Gary Meyer. Uh, what do you got going on? I just want to. I just want to say the podcast that you mentioned is at GaryMeyer.com. On Fridays, it's called The Cocktail Show. It's live, and that's always interesting to have a few cocktails and try to talk. Sure. You should try it. I think you are doing it right now. <laughs> I don't want to say anything. All right. Thank you so much, man. It's I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, and you probably got me in a bunch of trouble that I probably deserve. All right. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3. You can stream us on WMBDRadio.com and listen to us anywhere or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio. Here's TJ Carson live and local in the WMBD Radio Newsroom. Craig, a new foreign aid package and a looming potential government shutdown were the topics of discussion between President Biden and the top four congressional leaders today. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries says the meeting was productive. We are making real progress on the appropriations bills that are scheduled to lapse on March 1st. And I'm cautiously optimistic uh, that we can do what is necessary within the next day or so to close down these bills and avoid a government shutdown. The surge in migrant crossings was also discussed at the meeting. Representative Jeffries called on House Republicans to stop playing politics and engaging in political stunts and work with Democrats to fix what he calls a broken immigration system. More at WMBDRadio.com. A multi-vehicle crash north of Chillicothe this morning claimed the life of one person. Illinois State Police say two vehicles were involved in the crash just after 7.15 a.m. at Illinois Route 29 and Hardscrabble Road. Both drivers were taken to an area hospital where one of them was pronounced dead. Route 29 was closed in both directions during the crash but reopened at around 11.15 a.m. There are already accusations of political gamesmanship going on regarding the process by which the Pekin City Council approves street vacations. The issue came up as Tazewell County wants a part of Elizabeth Street vacated in order to build a new Justice Center annex, a move council members approved. Until last night, three-quarters of council members needed to approve a street vacation. Now, just a simple majority is needed for approval. What is being proposed tonight is just a sneaky tactic by the city to manipulate the outcome of a city council vote in order to get the end result that the city's looking for. And it's unethical, in my opinion. Councilmember Rick Hilst, one of two council members voting against the proposed vacation last night and in November when he claims it came up for the first time. Pekin Mayor Mary Burris says there's nothing sneaky about it. After all, it was put on the agenda. Macy's will close dozens of stores. 
Macy's, the iconic department store chain, will close 150 stores. 50 of them will be shut in about the next year. Macy's says it's closing underperforming locations. It's the first major action from its new CEO, Tony Spring. He calls it the bold new chapter strategy. The chain is also fighting a battle with activist investors over its significant real estate holdings. Macy's also plans to remodel the remaining 350 stores and will open more more smaller format locations, and more Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury stores. Macy's hopes to open up to 45 new stores in about two years. Fox's Jenny Casola, the Peoria Macy's at Northwoods Mall, closed in 2016. WMBD News is brought to you by Sefcu Business Services. Choose the credit card that works hard for you and your business with Sefcu Business Credit MasterCard. Check out the list of great business benefits and apply today by visiting sefcu.com. Their help, better life. I think you know it, too cool to show it, make yourself good. 1470-100.3 WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out with me too. Uh, just uh, bringing on people who are better at this than me throughout the show. That's got Gary Meyer, got you. That's not true. How you doing, buddy? We're just, we're just different. Yeah. No, you're very, very good. I'm very you happy know, you're that's here. that's the thing about this industry, with few exceptions, and there are a few, most people who work in this industry, in media in general, think everybody else is better than they are. Yeah. They're just different. Do you think that? Do you think people are better than you or no? I don't get that sense from a Mark Strauss. Uh, there are, I, there are, I feel like I can learn things from everybody. Sure. You know, actually, I'm wondering something else, and I don't even have it prepped. i got a bunch of topics no, I, in front yeah, of me. That's true. I, uh, I do look at other people and say, you know, I wish I, I, wish I could do this, like, Craig sure. does, or I wish I could do this like Joe does. Mm-hmm. I like that you just said my name because that's that's I can't imagine that's true. Well, but I know I actually, a lot of Craigs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I want to ask you about something. I didn't even prep it. I didn't even think to do it, um, but it would make sense. What do you think about Bob Costas? You're a sports journalist. Yeah. Uh, did, do you think that he's one of the greatest to ever do that? He has a very unique talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had the opportunity growing up in St. Louis. I was a teenager when he came to St. Louis. Wow. And all the young wannabe sportscasters sort of took to Bob Costas. Sure. It's probably one of the reasons that my answers are too long. <laughs> but okay. um, he has, uh, well, let me, let me, since you asked about Costas. Let and me, I have a reason. I'm going to play some audio for you in a second, but go. You know, I know what the audio is because okay. I heard him. <clears throat> but as a sportscaster, uh, first of all, he has certain skills that are just skills you're born with. He has a photographic memory. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he does. And that's one of the reasons why he can take assignments and excel at them like hosting the Olympics, where you have to literally go through encyclopedia-length information to Mm -hmm. prepare for something like that, Uh, at least in this day and age. It's it's not as easy to fly by the seat of your pants. No, it is not. Which he's very good at anyway because he has a photographic memory. But let me give you an example. Uh, This is a... This is... This is a Costa story that I actually witnessed. So when I was in college, I had the opportunity to be uh, work as an intern at KMOX Radio, mm-hmm. right? And anybody in this part of the country knows what an institution KMOX Radio is for St. Louis and the Midwest, the sure. way WGN is in Chicago. Sure. All right? Yeah. Uh, so at the time, Costas was not the big national name yet, Right. But uh, I got to witness a lot of the things that would later make him such a great and successful broadcaster. 
And one of those was, I happened to be, he used to be the one of the play-by-play voices of the University of Missouri basketball team. So I happened to go to a game that he was broadcasting, and since I had some connections, I had seats right behind the broadcast area in the old Hearn Center on the University of Missouri campus. And at the time, uh, the broadcast row for the play-by-play announcers was, I don't know, 20, 30 rows up in the stands. Sure. You, You weren't courtside. So anyway, uh, he used to work with a guy named Rod Kelly, who would do the pregame and was the color man on the University of Missouri broadcasts. Kelly was a local broadcaster who worked in the Jefferson City, Columbia area. So we're sitting there, and Rod Kelly's doing the pregame show, and there's no sign of Costas. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this wasn't new to me, by the way, and I was totally expecting it. And part of the entertainment value of attending the game was watching this actually happen in person. Sure. So Kelly does the pregame show, and he says, and you can hear him because we're sitting right behind him. Mm -hmm. And he says uh, something to the effect of, that's our pregame show. We'll be back with the opening tip right after this. Still no Costas. Uh Uh-oh. Commercials play. Uh The opening theme for the game broadcast starts. Kelly welcomes everyone to the broadcast, and as he's doing that, Bob Costas appears, comes jogging up the steps casually, sits down next to Kelly, puts his headsets on, and as he gets the headsets on, Kelly says, and now here's Bob Costas (laughs) for the start of our game. That's amazing. And he goes right into it. Yeah. He goes right into it. I'm thinking, this guy, two minutes ago, just parked his car. Getting a hot dog, probably. Got, got, out, of the, got uh-huh. out of the car, waltzed into the arena, <laughs> w- walked to the section he needed his, uh-huh. to, to, to come to. Yeah, yeah. And sits down right at the exact moment. And I, by the way, I used to watch him do that in the sports offices, but that was different. Sure. You know, you're doing a play by play broadcast. This guy wasn't there, he didn't pick up any of the notes, he didn't check the starting lineup, he didn't know who the officials were. He just sat down and started doing the game and somehow knew everything that he needed to know. That's amazing. Without having been there. Yeah, I guess he prepped the night before. <clears throat> so that's a really long answer to your question. Sure. And by the way, a good one. that's how Bob Costas would have answered it? Yeah, I know he like would. Like a five-minute dissertation? I, I'm aware. Um, the reason I ask you is Bob <clears throat> Costas went viral, and you said you already yeah, know this. I, I've seen this. For what he said about Donald Trump and Donald Trump uh, supporters. And I, I don't even really care about what side of the aisle this would be shot at. Like, it doesn't matter if they're taking shots at Democrats or Republicans as far as listeners. I feel like there's something really, like, wrong or antithetical to being a sports broadcaster, someone in sports media who is supposed to help me be an escape from all of these topics. Well, Uh, Keith Olbermann broke through that glass a long time ago. I know. And and Keith Olbermann is one of the greatest broadcast writers but there's a difference between a a pundit in the world of sports and and a true play-by-play guy the play-by-play guys to me which is costas to a t are supposed to be the only people uh that you still you tune in you hear the game stuff Mm -hmm. and then you tune out but here this is what he said about uh trump and their and his supporters 
he is by far the most disgraceful figure in modern presidential history. He's only become more disgraceful since 2016 and since 2020. He is a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits, and it's only those who are actually suffering from Trump derangement syndrome, which is the way they and Fox News and all the rest of MAGA media try to brush aside all the legitimate criticisms of Trump. You have to be in the throes of some sort of toxic delusion in a toxic cult to believe that Donald Trump has ever been in any sense emotionally, psychologically, intellectually or ethically fit to be president of the United States. But his supporters are locked in on that. Uh, how do you take that? How do you take something that's that definitive? It's not that he said, it's I, you not, know, it's not definitive at all. His opinion is fairly clear. Well, his opinion is definitive to him. Right. You know, but, I, but I don't mean what he's saying is true. I mean, what he's saying is certainly a as as strong of a, re, a revoke of someone as someone could provide. It's on not that strong. And I'll tell you why. All right, go ahead. He gave zero examples at all. All right. And, I, th- and I, think, way, I think we're having two different. So I don't mean that his his words have value because of how he said them. I mean, his his opinion of a sure. political thing is cl- crystal clear. Yeah. Um, and that to me is a negative to him as the broadcaster in the world in which he works. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Costas is 71 now. He's going to be 72. Yeah. And so he's at a point in his career where it doesn't hurt him to say those kinds of things. Sure. But. But let me make two points. Uh, 20 or 30 years ago, if Costas was 40 now, he would not go on the air and say that because it would damage his career. Sure. He's well past the point. Of caring. Where exactly. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's past the finish line. And that doesn't mean his career is over. He's right. still one of the greatest sports broadcasters. He's, he's one of the greatest broadcasters of his era. Sure. But... Uh, he is in the safe zone now, okay. so he so he can say something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, um, but I think it's also an indication, and this is where you and I maybe see things coming from a different angle. Sure. It, it, it's not that we disagree. Mm-hmm. Take the win. In other words, what I mean by that is he's frustrated because they, the big media the legacy media, no longer has the sway with the public sure. that it used to easily have. Sure, absolutely true. And so he's, he's venting. He's kind of blowing his top because it's, he's saying, mm-hmm. if you listen to him closely, hey, you out there in flyover country, mm-hmm. start listening to us again. Yes. Stop thinking for yourself. Yes. And that's what he's frustrated about. So... What I say about that is, when I heard that, and I admire Costas greatly, mm-hmm. again, there's a whole generation of young sportscasters at the time who looked up to this guy sure, and learned a lot just by listening to him. Sure. And so, but, he's frustrated because his side... His media side yeah. is no longer as influential. And, you know, that's part of the arrogance of sure. some people in the media well, that you should be, you should not, you know, you should not be listening to Craig Collins. You should not be listening <laughs> to Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins. Sure. They don't know what they're talking about when they obviously do. Mm-hmm. 
We only want you to hear one side of everything. Right. Yeah, no, and I've often talked about how I believe the arrogance in a lot of media is the biggest challenge yes. to media. Um, you know, uh, they at believe least when Walter were... Cronkite and Chet Huntley and David Brinkley were, you know, felt the way they did, they sure. at least didn't tip their hand. Sure. And they showed their bias in ways that were undetectable, like sure. just leaving stories out of the news. Sure. I got to take a break. Uh, we are at 1470, which is AM, 100.3 is an FM, and all over the internet. It is the Craig Collins Show. More in a bit. And if you didn't hear in the newscast, Route 29 there north of Chillicothe is back open. That was blocked hours this morning with that accident and investigation. That's Route 29 and Hard Scrabble Road again, fully open. And university and now at Bradfields.com. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out with me uh, for this part of the show. On my rundown, it says spring training, and that's all it says. I just want to talk to you about spring training for Who a few makes minutes. Up your rundown. I do. I, I make up Did, my rundown. So you need a rundown <laughs> if you already know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I like to look at it. I like to okay. stare at it, and it likes to stare at me. I think. Um, but this, I only have one topic in here: spring training. Uh, what are some of your initial thoughts of baseball being back in some capacity? Some of the free agents that are big names, crazy. Or at least relatively big, oh, are, are not signed yet. Blake Snell still doesn't have a baseball team. Well, I know the Yankees are talking to him, but It'd they, be very they nice. do not want to pay him what Scott Boris and he want. Yeah, I read this morning that there's a rumor, probably spread by a New York baseball writer, <laughs> that they offered him $28 million a year. But yeah. he wants, what does he want, 30 or I think 31 30, or something 35? like that, yeah. And he wants more years than the Yankees want to give him. But I want to talk about one other player, because it kind of dovetails with what you like to talk about here sure. on your show, which is quite often politics. So I understand that, and I, don't, I have not seen this confirmed, but I believe it. So J.D. Martinez, great hitter, mm-hmm. played for the Dodgers, played for the Red Sox, played Evil for team. the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he played for Satan's team. Great hitter. Mm-hmm. Apparently got offered a pretty nice contract by the San Francisco Giants. And he does not want to live in San Francisco. Oh, wow, because everything's San Francisco. on there. Well, he hasn't given an explanation. Yeah. So here's a guy who is in the late stages, the twilight of his career, still a productive hitter, mm-hmm. had a good year last year. And could continue his his career. You know, he played for the Dodgers, so he's played in California before. But we've seen all the horror stories about what San Francisco is like now. All the homeless, the tents everywhere, the the garbage and worse on the streets, Mm -hmm. the, the, the... Crime, the shop. Here, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make your point um, with a little piece of audio that I just remembered. Uh, the NBA All Star Game was terrible, but this moment by Chuck uh, Charles Barkley was not. Here we go. Hey, 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 Reggie. Yes. If you had a, if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, when you, oh, that's they're talking about how the All Star Game was located in Indianapolis and right. it was cold, and that's preferable to San Francisco and homeless crooks. Yeah. So yeah. you you hear you see how these athletes a lot of times they won't speak their mind, sure, because they don't want to damage their careers or make yeah. enemies. You know, your, their careers are very short, right, compared to the careers that the rest of us have. Yeah. Uh, and they don't want to jeopardize that. But uh, this man, J.D. Martinez, still a very capable player has decided, you know what, 
Not for me. You're you're offering me millions of dollars, and it's a good contract, and sure. uh, I think I'll pass. Sure. And, um, and hope that somebody else makes me an offer. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting to me about all of it, because I'm never going to be a person, I don't think you're ever going to be a person that says players need to shut up and dribble or whatever the, the famous phrase is. At the same time, I don't go to sports to get my fill of, of news of the day. I don't go to sports to have an argument uh, about something that's not within the sport itself. I love sports arguments. I don't get me wrong, but I don't love arguments that exist within that world that have nothing to do with it. And that, I think, is the most draining or annoying thing about all of this. You say what you want. Um, if you're you know, famous athlete, you want to have a stance, fine. But there are a lot of people who might even agree with you that don't really want to pay attention to that part of who you are because it's, it's not the reason they became a fan of you in the first place. Well, two things about that. First of all, within those sports leagues, within, within the universe of professional sports, and college sports for that matter, you can only have a certain opinion. Well, sure. Yeah. And if you voice the, the opposite. other opinion, right. which is more in line with what you and I think, mm-hmm. then you're punished for that. Aaron Rodgers. Is uh, one example. Well, and worse, uh, yeah. I can think of several players right off the top of my head who expressed themselves in a conservative way sure. who were not signed the next year or their contract ran out and then they yeah. were sort of blackballed. Yeah. And they didn't do anything. They didn't steal. They didn't, you know, assault anybody, no yeah. domestic violence. They just got dropped like a rock. Well, now, that's the whole the now, narrative, the, or the, the, that's the whole that, you know, it's not fair, that one side has a different set of rules than the other side does. And then the other point I want to make, which is exactly what you were talking about, is that uh, the, you know, you were, you, were, you were discussing how people shouldn't be, you go for an escape. Yeah. Okay. I, that's what I like sports for. And one of the things that pushed people away from the NFL mm-hmm. was the kneeling during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Because what they were doing was they were forcing you while you were trying to escape. They were grabbing you by the collar and you were they were pulling you back. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't, they wouldn't allow you to escape. Yes. And, and that created a situation where many people felt compelled not forced, but compelled Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. say, give their opinion. Sure. By burning the jersey of their favorite team, by tearing up their season tickets. We saw all of that stuff happen during that period of time. Yes. And when they do that, they're they're saying with their actions the same thing you're saying, which Mm -hmm. is, I don't go to the ball game. I don't turn on the TV to watch a game. Well, and I don't even, like, what I want to say, and I want this to be clear to anyone listening. that kind of stuff. Correct. I I want the audience to understand this, because it's a different take than what I I normally hear out there. I don't even care if people agree with me. I don't care if the stance they're taking, and I understand that in the world we live right now, it almost feels like that's a response to all the people that have a take on the side that I don't agree with. Uh, The people who are now coming out and saying, you know what, I think the opposite in those worlds uh, seem like they're they're reacting, not, you know, actively seeking to do that sort of stuff. At the same time, I, I don't want any of that there. I like watching and baseball is easily my favorite sport. And I believe it's your favorite sport, too. And I think there's something really pure about baseball, about the game itself and how long most of the game has been played the same way on different fields by different people uh, for a very long time. And Until we care- Rob Manford showed up. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we care very much about the records, et cetera. And so there's something that ruins the purity of a sport, even if people have the same political takes I have uh, when they put those out there. i got to take a break. After the break, we'll talk more about a bunch of the craziness going on. Uh, the Speaker of the House has said there's not going to be a government shutdown. I don't know if all of his party down. I don't know if all of his party feels the same way. So that's an interesting thing out there. That and much more in just a bit. AM it's fourteen seventy, FM a hundred point three, and every court in the airing of this message. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. Mark Strauss, TV guy in the radio hanging out. I am I am so excited at something that the engineer just fixed in this studio that's never been fixed before. Like this, it's so good. It's done so well. And it's a little audio thing. And you as a listener hopefully don't even notice. But it, it's one of the happier moments I've had at this station because of how you fix something. Because uh, I'm seeing no level in a spot where there should be no level. And then if I play something, I see a lot of level. And that's exactly what I'm supposed to see. So I don't know how to handle that. I just wanted to shout her out on the air because of how excited it's I am It's like about when this. you live in a house and there's been something wrong with that house for such a long time. Yes. And all of a sudden, oh. somebody comes in and figures out how to put a stop to it. Right. And it's not a problem anymore. It's a wonky door handle is what yeah. it is. When you, when you sure. pull the door handle and it falls off and you're like, oh, we've got to fix that or at some draft. point. Sure. And then someone comes in and they fix the door handle and then you're or actually the you got to jiggle it toilet. You know, the got to jiggle it toilet. That's always a problem that I don't know how they fix. If that's the only issue with the toilet that you got to jiggle it to get it to stop flushing. Um, But somebody somewhere knows how to fix the got to jiggle it toilet. And I think our engineers, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, actually. I'm trying to look her in the face. She just walked away Uh, calling them people who can fix the got to jiggle it thing. Is that a compliment or no? Okay, good. She's kind of, yeah. yeah. There was a medium yes yeah. uh, there to that. All right, let's do some of this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of things out there in the news. Um, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, is saying that his belief is there will be no government shutdown of any kind, um, that they'll find some sort of agreement. I don't know that everybody on his side of the aisle uh, agrees with this sentiment. We can play a little bit of the audio. Just he and I in the Oval Office. Uh, let me say this. When I showed up today... My purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth, and that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. I've been, I believe, in uh, maybe 20-something states over the last several weeks, going around the country, uh, appearing at events with my colleagues, and we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions Uh in all cities and all states who feel this acutely, they understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone. And it is top of mind for all the American people. For that. By the way, I will say that a new poll says he's absolutely right about that. The number one issue on most people's minds heading into this election is the border, uh, which before I even get back to Mike Johnson audio, I guess I would ask you, Mark, that seems to be uniquely beneficial to Trump because he's been talking about the border for a while. Do you remember, Craig, when Trump became president, and he put the travel ban in effect. Yes. And everybody accused him of being... A racist. Yeah, a racist. Mm-hmm. And a nationalist. And every dirty word you could throw at him. Yeah. And now they all agree with him. <laughs> well, they don't say it that way. But they do They do agree. Uh, Biden even put in place some policies uh, that Trump had had in before that he took out right when he first well, got into office. I'll, I know you've talked about this. Yeah, go ahead. And probably we don't need to remind people of this. But... The president of the United States, no matter who he is or when he served, Mm -hmm. does not need Congress's action or approval to secure the border. 
because he's the president of the United <laughs> States. He can do it himself. That's that is like job number one. I feel yeah, secure. You're the commander in chief. Yeah, secure you're, the country. You're the yeah. commander in chief. Mm-hmm. You can. You don't need to go to Congress. Right. You don't need to ask anybody permission. Right. You don't need a court to approve it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. Just um, like he undid it. Uh, I just got a text message from a listener that said, I didn't remember the phrase top of mind until I heard the dumb press secretary say it a bunch of times in her thing today, uh, in her press conference today. I didn't know that she's, I'll pull that audio and play it. Uh, let's get a little bit more of Mike Johnson before we finish this topic. For that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and, and again, one-on-one with the president. I think that's our responsibility uh, to bring that up. The other big priority for our country, of course, is the funding of our government. And we have been working in good faith around the clock every single day for months and, and weeks and over the last several days, quite literally around the clock, to get that job done. We're very optimistic. I, I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. Mm-hmm. And that's our first uh, responsibility. Uh, you also heard, I'm sure, that there was um, discussion about the supplemental uh, spending package. And uh, I was very clear with the president and all those in the room that the House is actively uh, pursuing and uh, investigating all the various options on that. Here, I'll stop it again. Uh, What is your sentiment or your feeling about Mike Johnson as a House Speaker now? Because I do think, and we just got a couple texts from listeners, that there are a lot of American people who would not mind the government shutting down uh, and would rather not spend the kind of money that any sort of uh, bargaining would inevitably create. I agree with those people, by the way. Me too. Uh, Because... Using the term government shutdown, and this is this has nothing to do with Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. That's just the the lingo that's used these days. That's sure. the fr- it's not a government shutdown. Okay, I guarantee you that if they don't <laughs> come up with an agreement here, yeah. the IRS, those people in that building, keep going, are not going to lock <laughs> up and go home. No, probably uh, not. Yeah. And and you're and by the way, they're already putting out these scare articles that. Sure. Social Security checks aren't going to go. That's not going to happen. Well, and actually, the thing that makes me most mad, and I know I've talked about this before in the air, is that if the government were to shut down, the military would not stop functioning, but the people who serve within our military would stop getting paid. And that's that's insane to ask people to keep doing whatever they're but doing that, without but a paycheck. the only reason that happens is for theatrics. It do, that doesn't have to happen. And they actually could pass a unique bill to just pay them. They don't have to them. pass a bill. They, they, they can just go ahead and cut those checks because... Well, Here's then cut the, those checks. The things that... They, think, they seem to think they have to pass a well, bill because no, Republicans we, try to pass we've one. Been, we've been brainwashed right. to think that... Well, but our, the Republicans in Congress try to pass a bill to pay veterans, so obviously, or to pay uh, those actively yeah. serving in the military. So they obviously well, accept that argument, and then that's how they go about fighting it. They do a lot of things... That they shouldn't? For theatrics. Sure. That they know they don't have to do. Gotcha. They, they completely ignore the Constitution on a regular basis, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, there's things they do to condition us to think that's what they have to do. Yeah, well, that's when, too bad they don't fight this fight the way you'd fight it be, then and, and just be, cut the checks. And I'll be very honest with you, and I'll be very blunt with you. Yeah, We know now, and people openly talk about it, that a lot of what's going on, this money to Ukraine or wherever else, is a lot of it, maybe all of it, is simply money laundering. That money comes back to our government contractors that you know end up, having some sort of relationship with 
some politician. Look, I'd like to try to explain that a little bit better. And I know we had to take a break in just a few minutes. So one of the things we do when we support a foreign war of any kind is we send older equipment to those places. And then our uh, people who create said equipment uh, get to make new stuff. And actually, when I've talked to a lot of veterans uh, now that I've gotten to know a lot of veterans, one of the things they tell me, actually one of my favorite things I've ever been told, is how crazy it is when you're on a location fighting some sort of conflict and the way in which they, they just like sort of throw out anything that's not working. And a lot of these guys, especially the Seabees, which is a, a part of the Navy, are so good at fixing stuff. They're like, well, I can fix that. Why would I buy a new one? Why would you guys order a new one? We can just fix it. And the commanders are like, nah, we're buying a new one. Just throw that one out. And so this, this um, you know, I know they all call it the military-industrial complex, but this uh, version of moving money around in different ways is a huge part of of what I think you're referring to as money laundering, as opposed to just a check that goes into one hand and then it gets changed a little bit and then it goes into a different hand. There's nuances to how this is performed that some would say is legal and a whole lot of people would well, say is illegal. I understand that part of it, and in theory, I agree with you. But when it goes to certain co- companies over and over... Oh, I know. You know it's, it's absolutely... Lockheed, Boeing... Ex- absolutely. All, and it's not just those. Right. You know, you have, you have, you have medical interests right. in the military you yes. have all the things in the military that you have you have food distribution and production all the things yes. that you need at home for your family yep. they need when they're out there serving in some remote location somewhere in the world so all of these things come back to companies that have some sort of tie to some politics exactly and i, I and fully this is, this is and this is how jim biden gets right. checks for two hundred thousand dollars hundred percent and then writes a check to his brother for yeah right this right. is now, how this happens and i i just wanted to 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 demonstrate that difference because yeah. a lot of people who hear this and a lot of young people well, and a lot of people who are hold on a lot of people who are on one side of the aisle specifically hear someone say Money is getting laundered when it gets sent overseas and comes back, and they dismiss the concept of that because they're like, whatever. I don't think somebody's writing a check from their bank account to another bank account and moving the money around. It doesn't have to be that obvious of a system uh, to be beneficial to Washington. Washington has a corruption problem, uh, a corruption problem that it almost openly discusses at this point in our society, and they, they sort of flaunt the idea that they have to hide it. And while they're doing all that, uh, they keep looking at the people who are willing to, to pay attention uh, to certain parts of media and other things and just hoping that they accept the, the excuse and look away. And that, that is terrifying to me because I, I do believe with the proper context and explanation, a lot more people could be woken up to the idea that, all right, money laundering doesn't mean what you think it means. It means this other thing that has more complexity to it. it. Well, it has to be complex because that's how you don't get caught. Sure. Okay? Absolutely. Yes. It has, there have to be a lot of hoops that the money goes through right. before it gets to the corrupt person. Right. At the end of the, at the, end of the trail. We've got to take a break. A lot more in a bit. 1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM. All over. Affiliates coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. That was happenstance. I didn't even plan that on purpose. But that uh, song is about a shutdown. Um, and you say shut it down. You say a lot to me, both on and off the radio. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, uh, that we wouldn't even notice that if the government gets shut down, your day to day life won't change no. at all. Unless you work for the government and are getting a check from them, yeah. Then you're then you might notice, but the rest of us would not. No. Yeah. They're, so I, I don't know why we care so much. Because they tell us to. Because we're conditioned to care. Right. Yeah, we we shouldn't care. They've, they've brainwashed us about a plethora 
<laughs> or plethora, plethora, depending on how you like to pronounce yeah. it. Uh, do you like to pronounce it plethora? I usually don't use the word. Okay, I don't know why enough. it even came out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, they, they, they've brainwashed us on so many different yeah. things mm-hmm. that we get all worked up about. I mean, we'd all have much happier lives if we just chill Didn't out. Didn't pay attention to that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, one thing that's going viral online, I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, and this is pivoting a little bit from the topics we're discussing, is Pete Weber. Twelve years ago, the bowler, yeah. Pete Weber, had one of the greatest sports quotes in the history of sports, according to the Internet. Uh, but that's 12 years ago today, and I have the audio, and I'll go ahead and play it. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! <laughs> 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 How do you feel about that? Well, that's right, I did it. That's right, I did it. it. Is that one of the greatest sports quotes of all time? That's what they're saying on the internet. That's what they're claiming. I thought the greatest sports quote of all time, just to pick one, is it ain't over till it's over. That's true. Like, how can you argue with that? Yeah, you cannot. You cannot argue with that. It ain't over. No, that's that's what people are saying uh, on the internet today as they're resharing this, is how excited that guy is. Is this the anniversary of that moment? Twelve years ago today. Uh, that he was that excited to win that bowling well, those competition. People on the internet must just be avid okay. bowling. The fans. reason I just played it for you, by the way, is because I'd never heard or seen it before, and I was curious if the Mark Strauss, uh, one of the encyclopedic sports guys that I've I know, I've seen it. I've seen okay. it. I remember when that happened. Okay, and I, you know, did you think it was a great moment? <laughs> it was. It was great for Pete you know Weber. What? You know, what? I actually really like you crapping all over, like the idea that something uh, that people are sharing is actually important. What What's your top? three sports quotes of all time like top three sports i mean this uh, it's impossible to answer well no it's not impossible to answer but just i i would just qualify it as saying you're 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 catching me cold here so i'm just uh did you believe in miracles is that one that you like a lot i love that one well that's not a sports quote that's that's somebody broadcasting the moment that's a quote within the world of sports but yeah okay fine that's not an athlete saying something so i guess that would be different um, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth feels like a pretty big one to me if we're going to go with what athletes say. All right. Would that be on your re- Mount Rushmore I, I quotes? Ha- I have no, I'd have to, I'd I have put to you on the spot a, here I'd have to make a list and sort of, okay. you know, it's almost right. like preparing for a draft. Can we you do wanna, that next week? Can we both bring in the best player is until you <laughs> list them all out? Can we both bring in our top four I'm favorite sport? I'm not doing sport? any homework for okay. this show. All right, fine. That's I'll bring in mine and you can, you can judge them paid, if so. you'd like to, uh, would it count as a quote? If you just point to left field with a bat, is that a quote? That, no, that's, that's okay. not a quote. That feels like a, a pretty good moment though. And then you hit it right there. Uh, those are, I don't know if you'll notice this. A lot of my um, favorite ones will be Yankees. Actually, anything that Yogi Berra said feels like it's a, a brilliant, sure. wonderful quote. I mean, you can buy entire books of Yogi <laughs> Berra quotes, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Do you have any favorites for Yogi Berra? Or I'm still putting you on well, the spot. Well, I just said it ain't over till it's over. Yes, that is absolutely right? one of them. Yes. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the one about playing two. Um, I don't want to get that one wrong. I'm the, not familiar with that one. Okay. But right. I like... Uh, Nobody comes to this restaurant anymore because it's too crowded, sure. or nobody it, goes there anymore because it's too crowded. It's like deja vu all over again. Yeah. When you come to the fork in the road, take it. Yeah. Uh, these are some of the best ones. Baseball is 90% metal, and the other half is physical. Mental, and the other half is physical. I know there's one about playing, too. Uh, they like had so much fun that you wanted to play, too. But we'll find that. We'll figure it out. Uh, before I let you I go. Thought that it was, I thought Ernie Banks was... The, the play, play two? two guy. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe Ernie Banks said that. I feel like uh, Yogi said something about playing two games back to back. You know, but if it's... you ever want to hear some good Yogi stories, mm-hmm. uh, 
try to hop on YouTube and see. Ron Guidry became very close to him uh, in, you know, after Guidry retired and he became uh, an invited coach for spring training. Sure. And Guidry used to drive Yogi around when Yogi was not capable of driving himself. And his family wouldn't let him drive anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess he was a really horrific driver. <laughs> and so as he got older, he just was told, no. We're taking the keys. So Guidry yeah. would ride, drive him everywhere. And, of course, Guidry pitched for the Yankees. And, yeah. um, so they became very close. And Guidry has a ton of hilarious Yogi Berra stories. Yeah. I just remember the uh, Yogi Berra thing. It's not the quote. He played the most doubleheaders of anybody. Uh, he caught the most doubleheaders of anybody in the game. It was like 117. Um, but I, I feel like there's a quote out there, too. Uh, but Yogi Bear being a terrible driver is a great last thing to learn from Mark Strauss today. I thank you as always for hanging out with me, bud. Sure. Uh, we're going to take a break. Well, I'm not. We're not going to take a break. News is going to do stuff. I'm just not going to do stuff. And then I'll come back and we'll do the opposite. We're handing it off the um, the uh, you know rally flag again or whatever. T.J. Carson, right? Yes. No. You're just looking at me very upset. What's going on over there? I have an issue with you on your sport quote thing. Why? You cut off the Pete Weber one on before the best line of the whole thing. What, did it, well, I I heard something I didn't want to hear in it. But what was the best line of the whole thing? What is Who it? Who do you think you are? I oh, am. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. <sighs> I will play that later. I'll get it back, TJ. Uh, AM, it's fourteen. AM, it's fourteen seventy. I, I love how you've been angry this entire time since that moment, just sitting there waiting to say that. Uh, AM, it's fourteen seventy. FM, one hundred point three. You can stream us at the WMBD Radio. Uh, stream us WMBDRadio.com and listen to us anywhere, or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio. Here's TJ Carson live and local in the WMBD Radio Newsroom. Craig, a multi-vehicle crash north of Chillicothe this morning claimed the life of one person. Illinois State Police say two vehicles were involved in the crash just after seven fifteen a.m. at Illinois. Illinois Route 29 and Hard Scrabble Road. Both drivers were taken to an area hospital where one of them was pronounced dead. Route 29 was closed in both directions during the crash, but reopened at around 11.15 a.m. State leaders are on hand in Normal this morning to cut the ribbon on an electric vehicle manufacturing training facility. The 45,000-square-foot facility at Heartland Community College was funded in part from a $7.5 million capital grant from the state. It will provide students with training, certificates, and degrees in electric vehicle and electric storage technology. Governor J.B. Pritzker says the training center will help build up assets that can attract new businesses. I have conversations every week with business leaders from across the globe Uh, considering bringing their businesses to Illinois, more so than really ever before. And what I tell them again and again and again is that the number one best feature that we have to offer as a state is our skilled and educated workforce. Pritzker says the facility also helps prepare workers for the manufacturing jobs in the future. Heartland's electric vehicle manufacturing program launched in a temporary site in 2021. More at WMBDRadio.com. The Pekin City Council last night discussed at length Tazewell County plans to build an annex to the county's Justice Center. At issue was the vacating of the land the county wants to build the annex on, along Elizabeth Street between Capitol and 3rd. Councilmember John Abel. I think it's ironic that the one block we want to close is the least traveled and will be the least inconvenience. We have traffic counts in every street in Beacon, but of all the streets downtown, this is the least traveled, it'll be the least inconvenience, and it's, it's a no-brainer. 
The vote was 5-2 to two in favor of the land needing to be vacated, but there was some controversy about the city council changing rules midstream, with a simple majority being needed for passage instead of a three-fourths vote. City officials say it will provide a modern location for court proceedings, while almost eliminating some aggravation associated with transporting prisoners. WMBD News is brought to you by Ufting Weston. Take advantage of attractive offers on new Cadillac models all month long at Ufting Weston Cadillac in Peoria. Don't just imagine yourself in a new Cadillac. Make it happen today. Find yours at Ufting Company Pure Talk. Fourteen seven eight one hundred point three WMD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I cannot tolerate TJ Carson being so grumpy with me. So let's get the. That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> Who do you think you are? I am. Is apparently the actual quote. I asked Mark Strauss before he left if he was familiar with that one, and he still said uh, no because it is bowling after all. Uh, but it is it is viral. It's all over the internet. So I figured I'd play it today. Twelve years from when a bowler said that. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, student loans is a a big issue. Um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of the biggest, though, or one of the most significant things is that you can essentially buy votes by telling people that you'll forgive their student loans. Uh, That's the way I describe it. And granted, I'm a millennial. I still have student loans. So anybody who gets mad and yells at the radio because I'm saying that it seems like a bad policy idea, uh, you can understand that I'm someone who would benefit from it if it ever actually happened. Uh, But now there's questions as to whether or not the things that Joe Biden is doing are essentially trying to go around the Supreme Court after the Supreme Court told our current president that he did not have the authority to forgive student loans. uh, He has been uh, bragging that he won't let the court stop him. Uh, Some are even asking how all of the different policies and changes and things uh, that that come into play, uh, things like actually allowing people or even forcing them into a repayment plan that is based on their their income and uh, whether or not they're asking for that payment plan, it might also backdate itself quite a bit where they would have had uh, no money that they owed to pay. Uh, But so many of these pieces to me are only truly valuable in the this is what we're going to tell you we'll do that has nothing to do with the president himself. Uh, That is what we want you to vote for. We want young people to turn out. Uh, We want people that are um, uh, pro uh, abortion or pro, um, you know, uh, women's rights to to show up in that context. If that's how uh, you want to articulate it, Um, a pro choice. Uh, So many of these things to me, though, they they feel like avenues and conversations to ignore the most obvious, the, the glaring thing in the room. And it's that Biden is not capable of being our president. He's just he's not there mentally uh, where he needs to be. And so case in point feels like it has to be um, Biden sitting down and having a conversation with uh, Seth Myers. And I'll get to that in a second. I want to play uh, something else first, because what I think is so interesting about this, as I'm telling you, and I'll, I'll demonstrate it, uh, that Biden doesn't have the acuity he needs to be in charge of our whole country, much less maybe, you know, drive a vehicle uh, sometimes. Uh, I also think it's interesting the way in which Trump is is uh, told to you to be the absolute uh, most horrible person in the history of the country. And it doesn't mean you have to like Trump, by the way. I know whenever I say anything that's not negative of Trump, uh, the Trump haters out there are like, ah, this Trump fan, this guy who loves that president, he's terrible. How dare you like him? Uh, no, that's not even the road I want to go about it. I just think it's so fascinating uh, that so much media is willing to um, ignore the faults of the guy in charge on the Democratic side of the aisle and goes after the faults of the guy on the other side of the aisle to a degree that seems ridiculous, including this. This is a representative James Clyburn saying that uh, Trump is essentially uh, Mussolini and that Putin is Hitler uh, as a reason not to vote for him. Here we go. 
Before you go, sir, I just want to ask you about the Republican results in your home state of South Carolina from over the weekend and this somewhat startling result from our NBC News exit poll, which said that 36 percent of voters in South Carolina believe that Biden legitimately won the 2020 election. Uh, that would mean that 61 uh, percent said no. I mean, what's your reaction to those numbers and what does it say about the state of our democracy? Well, that is within... Here, I'm actually going to stop it, um, and I, I left the question in for a reason. Uh, the exact opposite version of a poll existed after 2016 when Hillary Clinton said that Russia cheated and they helped uh, you know, Trump win. A whole lot of Democrats believed that. A, a very, very large percentage of them thought that Trump was an illegitimate president, so much so that a lot of Democratic politicians started saying it. But I digress. Let's talk about how this is an obvious, horrible time in our society because it's an exact reflection on the opposite side of the political aisle of what people believe for five years ago the republican primary voters mm -hmm. now when you're getting 61 percent within that then you've got to deduct uh people who were not voting in that primary and i don't think you're going to get a 61 percent showing any kind of majority i think the majority of the people of south carolina believe very strongly that joe biden won and won fairly i do believe that you will continue to get those kinds of uh, results uh, among uh, Republican voters whenever you uh, poll them in their primaries. But that's not the majority of the American people. No, just all the people who vote Republican, which obviously is, is no one, according to this politician. Um, I find that so very interesting. And I know it's not a new point. I know it's not something that, you know, people haven't been saying for a while. It, it just it's interesting when. The side of the aisle that's, uh, you know, the opposite of of whatever the current, um, I don't know, uh, most the, the worst sign of our times uh, exists, that if they've had that sin, too, they forget all about the time that they were committing that sin. And they only talk about the here and now because of who's committing it now and how terrible it is. Now, let's move on to Biden. As I said a second ago, his brain doesn't seem like it's all there. Uh, it's fairly easy to prove this. He sat down with Seth Meyers on late night television, and he talked about his 2020 agenda. That's right. He said he's running for his 2020 election on his 2020 agenda. Someone has to tell this guy it's 2024. What do you would you want to do? What's your 2024 agenda? Because I feel like we live in such crazy times that by the way, Seth did just tell him it's 2024. That is one of the things I feel we hear less about. Look. The 2020 agenda is to finish the job. <laughs> For example, we're now in a position where uh -huh. we have the strongest economy of any major nation in the world, number one. We've got a way to go yet. Inflation is down, 880,000 manufacturing jobs. You know, we have uh, 14 million new jobs. The unemployment rate is the lowest it's been for the longest time. We're building wealth for people. Uh, we're building wealth for people is my favorite of those. I'm going to stop it there because actually most people are not uh, building wealth. They're doing the exact opposite. Um, a person's savings in this country is way down. Uh, a person's credit card debt and other debt is way up. Uh, the ability to pay for basic things seems like it's at the most challenging place it's ever been in our society. But darn it, if you say the other stuff and you feel like that's fine, you can say this thing too. And then you can go ahead and just uh, convince everybody uh, that you're great and that no one needs to look any closer to this. Uh, here's another moment where he was asked about his mental capability and he lost his train of thought during that conversation. Concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. And, uh, 
number one. Number two. <laughs> so he actually was not talking to his wife. I, I don't mean to do this, like the fact check thing. And they're like, oh, he's trying to defend Trump. Uh, Trump was actually talking to someone in the front row at one of his recent events that is not named Melania. So he did not use the name Melania. But anyway, let's go. Ahead. It's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American p- positions. And um, and I really mean this sincerely. The uh, I think it's about war, uh, about the future, and everything. Uh-huh. Every single thing yes, we've done. I right. think we've got some good things done. Everything, and we, they told us we couldn't get them done because things were so divided. And uh, but I think everything everything we've gotten done. <laughs> he's just friendly stated he wants to do away with if he gets elected. What? And what? I really think his views on where to take America are older than. Anyway, I know I get it. Uh-huh, yeah, hilarious joke. Older than anyway, I don't, I don't get it. You don't even know what to compare it to, in all honesty. These are not the thoughts, not the behaviors of a person that has a, a fully working brain. And, and that feels like, even if, even if the policies were things that you agreed with, it feels like one of the core criteria for being in the White House is that your brain functions appropriately. I'm not trying to make fun of him. I'm trying to say that for his own benefit and the benefit of our country, it feels as though... He probably shouldn't be the guy for either party for uh, the next four years. All right, we'll take a quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3. 100. 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I want to let you in on uh, something that's going on behind the scenes. As I just ran back, and I'm going to be out of breath a little bit, uh, I have to validate parking for Mark Strauss. I don't want him to have to pay to park and be on the show. He can't lose money uh, being a guest on my show, but I don't have anyone else to help me do that. So I was running uh, to try to get it done, and I'm told uh, via text that uh, it's Scott Robbins' fault that Mark didn't make it back so that I can do the thing I need to do. So I'm going to do that in a little bit. Uh, But forgive me if I'm out of breath during this next segment. I essentially just jogged for the fun of it a few times uh and i I blame um mark strauss for sure uh which or actually no excuse me that's not what i meant to say i blame 100 percent scott robbins and that feels awesome to say on the radio for a variety of reasons i love scotty i want to play this audio as i catch my breath uh this is audio of a little girl i think she's like 12 years old so mad at her mom for mom showing up late to pick her up at school so mad she's letting her have it she's going full uh, here we go. Here's some audio that's uh, viral all over the Internet. Oh, no, it doesn't work. Oh, this this challenge is getting harder for me all of a sudden. Uh, let's see if I can make this work here by hitting this button again and doing this again. And I think now, yes, we're going to get it. All right, here we go. I know you're not picking me up no more. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you no. not know what early me? I said early, not late. Listen, I was stuck on a car. I, I don't care. <laughs> I was stuck on a <laughs> I was stuck on a call. Ah, no. No. Tuts, really? No, no, no. I don't want to hear. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stuck on a call. Yeah, whatever. You were stuck on a call. My favorite part of this audio is the little girl holding her hand up toward her mom, being like, no. No, you stop talking right now. Here, we're going to play it again because I had a little bit of a hiccup with it. I know you're not picking me up no more. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Do you no. not know what early me? I say early. Come on. Not late. Listen. I was stuck on a car. I, I don't care. <laughs> I was stuck on. 
<laughs> I was stuck on a car. Ah, no, no, no. Ah, we've all had Dude, that moment. Really? No, no, no. I don't want to hear. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stepped on the car. Yeah. That's fine. I don't want to hear it. Whatever your excuse is, doesn't matter to me, Mom. We've all been there. We've all had a situation where someone has thrown out an excuse, and we're we're just not ready for it. Uh, we're not having it. Uh, that is adorable and viral all over the place. All right. Another thing out there that I thought was um, just kind of interesting, and I don't, I can't explain why this is a thing that's happening. And I'd actually love for somebody to text the show and tell me what's going on. But there's a brand new TikTok trend that has airplane passengers uh, binding their ankles for extra comfort. Uh, they're being told that this is incredibly dangerous. Uh, but essentially, people are going viral for sharing photos of themselves, buckling their legs, uh, buckling their feet and their ankles, as opposed to buckling the parts of the body you're supposed to buckle. Uh, again, no one really knows why this became a thing and why these trends are so popular that a lot of kids or a lot of young people do it. Um, it I don't know what the the like humor of it is i'm trying to find it i'm trying to figure out how this is so hilarious to so many people that they're they're doing this the way that they are and i i can't i can't get there um but apparently it's a thing that you need to warn your children and others not to do even if it's overwhelmingly popular on social media all right another thing that i really love that's out there is the list of minor frustrations that are everyday struggles for us uh, that many people don't understand how this is still a problem uh, in the year in which the technology in which we live. And I find a lot of these pretty interesting. Uh, the staticky, repetitive, tuneless music you are forced to listen to when you are on hold, which must keep the volume at such a high level uh, that it is annoying you and your ears. It has not changed since the 1980s. Is one of the most viral complaints that exist here. Uh, I have hold music that's connected to some of the things that I, I use to, to call people uh, for this station. And I believe... I can't remember exactly who it was, actually. I believe it might have been Greg Batten who was joking about it, or Dan DiOrio who was joking about the lovely Craig Collins show, Hold Music, uh, which is, um, you know, not something I did on purpose. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick it. I don't know how that's happening. Another thing out there that I thought was interesting, isn't there a way to make nighttime screens in TV and movies less dark and murky? Half the time, all I see are shapes, and I can't tell what's going on. Seriously, I know there has to be a way to light such scenes so that we can actually see more stuff. I agree with this a lot. Uh, this might sound like a, a silly thing out there. There's nothing more frustrating than a dramatic scene in a movie or a TV show uh, that's so dark that you have no idea what's going on, uh, especially like Batman movies. Um, I, I love the action scenes and the craziness of the movies, but you feel like in, in the society we're in now, we got to be able to light that better. It seems like a silly complaint, but a complaint I love. Uh, shopping carts with what feels like square wheels or ones that don't move at all is another complaint people have. Um, I know the defense for that is usually that people use those so often uh, that that's why they get bad. Uh, it's just the amount of time. And it's not like there's a NASCAR pit crew fixing them after people use them. They just sit until they're... I think the grocery stores need to give up on shopping carts sooner, though. Uh, that's the thing I would say is probably the best uh, piece of advice uh, in 2024. Uh, another one that I thought was pretty funny is TV remotes and appliances with text printed on the buttons uh, where you can wear it off and then you have no idea what you're clicking anymore. That's a pretty good one. Um, this comes up every few weeks, they say, uh, in this or every every couple, I guess, times a year, having to change your clocks when it's daylight savings time, even though everything is supposed to be smart at this point, is another complaint a lot of us have that we don't understand in 2024. Autocorrect is something that made this list. I think BuzzFeed uh, put this whole list out there. I hate autocorrect. I send the most gibberish text messages 
to so many people because I don't notice autocorrect. That's usually the problem. It's not that I have the typo or the completely illogical next word after whatever it is I'm trying to say. It's that my phone decides that this is the way that it wants to communicate with the rest of the world to make me look like an absolute moron on an almost daily basis. And then I have to send the correction, uh, which I don't know if that really is something anyone needs anymore. I just I feel better uh, sending someone the information that tells them that I know how to speak and how to say actual words, uh, even if my texts don't seem to demonstrate that I do. Uh, one last one I love on here. Why can't all power cords and everything that needs to be plugged in from toasters to lamps to coffee makers all be retractable and actually all be exactly the same. Uh, if you have the you know side that goes into your appliance, not the side that goes into the plug, you'll notice there's a lot of different ones. And when you got to get a new one, it's kind of annoying. Uh, but I love that. I love the idea that why can't everything be retractable uh, out of your way, not in your face in the world of those uh, power cords and other stuff. Uh, those are some of the challenges we face that we don't think we should anymore. If you have some, you can text them to me. Uh, you can send them to... Uh, 309 um, uh, 340-4464. That's 309-340-4464 to get in touch with me throughout the show. Uh, one other uh, quick topic, and then we'll probably uh, take a break, and I'll do the top five stories at 5 o'clock after uh, news takes over for a little bit. Uh, then I jump in and I give you the five biggest stories of the day, according to me. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this, although I definitely know I dislike it. I know that part. Uh, Wendy's is is debating in Uber-style surge pricing, or dynamic pricing is what it's actually called, which means that at, at very high traffic times, the price of stuff would go up. And artificial intelligence actually could allow them to figure out what those prices should be. So if you go at, at 5 o'clock, if you go at you know noon, if you go whenever you're on a break from work or whenever you're, you're trying to get food on the way home, uh, there's a chance that your items might cost way more uh, or at least somewhat more than if you go, say, in the random middle of the day when no one is there. I don't know why this would happen in these worlds. I know why it happens for Uber. I know why it happens for Lyft. I know why it happens for those companies. It's because there's a finite amount of drivers out there in the world, and they want to encourage those drivers to stay on the road, uh, especially when there's a lot of demand and not a lot of supply. So they make more money, um, and they stay out longer at those times because it's more beneficial to them. You can't say the same thing about, I think, the food industry. I know people work harder and they, they try to go faster uh, when, you know, uh, demand is higher at any of these places. Uh, but I don't actually think that you have to encourage them to stay at work. Um, and I don't think they're going to pay them any more money uh, unless maybe that's a part of the plan I missed. Uh, they're just trying to charge more for their items to essentially control what time people come to their stores. I think they'll soon realize that people just won't show up there. Uh, until, you know, they change this or if everybody adopts it, who knows? I know TJ Carson is an Uber driver. Is there something you want to say about that? So I did kind of have a dilemma like you were talking about the other night on Sunday night where I had picked up a reserve trip that would have made a good amount of money, but mm -hmm. would have taken me to Champagne at 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday night. Whoa. So it's like, okay... Did I make enough money today, or do I want to keep going? And yeah. I decided, no, I'd rather go home and shoot paint at Squid Kids. How much money was that going to be again? The trip was going to net me 75 but then uh, there, I had to factor other things. Like, did I had to put more gas in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tires aren't exactly in yeah. the best shape and all that. So th there's... <laughs> Did you just admit that you're... Uh, I got to take a break. We got to go. We'll, um, no, we'll talk at 5.30. I will talk at 5.30. AM, it's 1470 FM 100.3. All taken care of.
1570, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. If you listen to me every day at this time, you know I do this. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. The five biggest topics of the day, according to me. I don't know why I struggled while I was saying that right there. Uh, the biggest reason why I do this is because, well, I'm told you like it in order. Uh, so I do it that way. Number five. Thank you, David Letterman. Number five in this list to me, I actually just changed it. I flipped four and five. Um, I do think it's a, a big story and a big deal. I do think it's probably less on our minds than it was, say, earlier this week. And I haven't even talked about it yet. But the Americans who are missing from a boat in the Caribbean, uh, a whole timeline was put up by ABC News and how, how crazy all this is. The couple who were uh, married for 27 years had been living on their yacht. Simplicity is the name of the yacht uh, since they sold their home back in 2013. Uh, Hendry and Brandel uh, from Falls Church, Virginia. Uh, they were last seen on their boat um, ne- by a neighbor at a dock on February 18th. Uh, the belief is essentially, I'm going to summarize a lot of this, uh, that they were they were killed and thrown off the boat and the boat was stolen. And every part of this story is just sort of like, you know, shocking in, in a few ways. I think the latest update uh, as of today, uh, Henry's son, uh, Brian, and Brandel's son, Nick, said in a statement, we are incredibly saddened to hear the news that our parents are now presumed dead. We remain optimistic in the ongoing search. Uh, Ralph and Kathy lived a life that most of us can only dream of, uh, sailing the east coast of the United States, living on their home simplicity, uh, making friends with everyone they encountered, singing, dancing, laughing, etc., etc. So uh, essentially uh, what is going on now is is the continuation of trying to find people that, you know, you're sort of shocked or, or just missing and, and likely have been uh, killed. There are three suspects that have appeared in St. Vincent Court on immigration-related charges and pled guilty, uh, police said. Uh, sentencing was scheduled for March 4th. That was an update as of yesterday as well. And, of course, because of that last aspect, I, I wasn't going to ignore it for anyone worried. I definitely was going to get to it. It's become a bigger story in, in other ways, that the individuals who are uh, in court on immigration-related charges and pled guilty are, are suspects uh, in this. So it seems as though... And I said it earlier today, the border being on the top of many minds of many Americans is because of um, a variety of, of reasons, including that one. Uh, number four. Number four to me, which again used to be number five, and then I decided to flip them back and forth, is that Speaker Johnson says there will not be a government shutdown. Uh, he actually said this within the context of also talking about a deal necessary to secure the border. It seems that the Speaker of the House is willing to you know, give in on one to gain the other. And that does not seem to be the sentiment of some within the conservative party and a lot of Americans who don't want to see us writing more giant blank checks um, for a lot of reasons we don't totally understand. And also uh, doing what needs to be done to secure the border, which is not just staffing more uh, border patrol agents, but actually creating a deterrent that stops people from coming, i.e. a wall. Uh, is what typically is talked about, of course, by the former president. Here's a little bit of Mike Johnson. Is the funding of our government. And we have been working in good faith around the clock every single day for months and, and weeks and over the last several days, quite literally around the clock, to get that job done. We're very optimistic. I, I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. And that's our first uh, responsibility. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually cares. I know that media tells us to care. I know that we're supposed to care, but I'm getting a lot of texts from people saying, shut it down, baby, shut it down. Uh, It doesn't actually impact our lives as much as they want us to believe it does. 
uh, they being the politicians themselves. I know whenever you say a they, people always ask you who it is. Who's the they that you're talking about? It's the politicians themselves. Uh, they, they tell us this is a big deal, and the truth is it's not. If you work for the government, that, that matters more. And I have said that I'm uniquely mad that people who are currently serving our country in our military would not get a paycheck if the government shuts down. That's real dumb. That's real, real stupid, and that should never happen. Uh, we should, and I know Mark was saying it doesn't have to happen, but we should pass some sort of law that makes that illegal. I don't care what the people in Washington do. You can't stop paying the people who are defending our country from anywhere in the world. You know, if there's a guy who's waking up tomorrow, uh, not in a real bed, but in some makeshift version of one, in a place that he doesn't feel very safe in, he deserves a paycheck. That's the exact opposite of what this country is founded on, to not give him a paycheck for doing that job. All right, that's number four on my list. Let's keep going. Uh, Number three. Number three on the list is Biden's media tour. Uh, He's popping up places, including with uh, Seth Meyers of, I think, The Late Show or whatever on NBC. I don't watch any of this anymore. I don't watch any late uh, night TV uh, at all. Um, But a few different things happened with Biden. First, he went and got ice cream uh, with Seth Meyers, and he talked about how he wasn't aware that President Trump, former President Trump, is also going uh, to the border, the southern border, on the same day that Biden is, which I believe is actually uh, Thursday of this week. Here we go. I've been planning to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is going. He didn't know his good friend apparently was going. Here's what's weird about this, and I know it's radio. I know you can't see it. He's holding a giant ice cream cone and eating it and then also talking to the press. He he does look like a giant child. Um, there's no way around it. I don't think I've seen a lot of, and, and this is not even a shot at Biden, actually. This is a shot at anybody. I don't think anybody can eat an ice cream a cone, ice cream and cone version, and be someone that we take seriously in that moment. I don't think you can look at someone and ask them genuine questions and get genuine answers while they're putting their face into a bunch of ice cream and eating it. It's just It's just not a look that makes sense. Uh, at least to me. And again, that's not even a shot at just Biden. I don't think anybody can pull that off. A little bit more of Biden on Seth Seth Concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am. So the answer to most questions, by the way, with Biden is take a look at the other guy, by the way. He can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. And, uh... That's also not accurate. He was talking to somebody in the front row that does not have his wife's name, who is not his wife. But anyway, let's continue. Number one. Number two. (laughs) It's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American positions. And um, and I really mean this sincerely. The... uh, I think it's about about the future. Uh-huh. And yeah, you know everything. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Joe. You know what's so interesting about our president saying all this? Uh, in my mind, is his ideas are not any newer. He's just not in charge. He's not trying to be in charge. He's allowing other people to tell him what to rubber stamp, and he rubber stamps that stuff. Uh, Biden, to me, is not someone who strikes me as a person that's coming up with a lot of ideas in general, but a lot of brand new thoughts in the world of politics. All on his own. I think he's being told by other people uh, what to say and how to say it. And then he still flubs that part somehow. Uh, but anyway, that's number three on the number list. Number two. Number two on this list to me. I debated back and forth which one of these I wanted to put at number one and number two. But I'm going to go with Fonnie Willis at number two here. Uh, there's been much more testimony uh, today, uh, including a testimony that was given uh, that seems to sort of go back on some previous testimony that felt uh, pretty important in this case. 
Um, essentially what's happening, though, uh, I guess basically the, like the easiest way to, to simplify all of this is you know, I know, everyone who's watched any part of this case knows that the uh, district attorney in Fulton County in Georgia was dating the guy uh, who she then put in charge as the lead prosecutor that's going after Trump and uh, 18 other people or 17 other people. Uh, she was definitely dating him. Uh, there's no way to deny it. And they've lied about it in court because they don't want it to look like an inappropriate decision that also benefited Fonnie Willis to do it. Um, and the reason I say all that as clearly as I do, because I know that they've they've said it's not true and whatnot, but you can understand by the amount of information and the cell phone data and everything else coming out and the late night trips to the house and just everything about this. And even the, the witnesses uh, who've said, eh, I'm pretty sure they were dating from what I've seen of them and how I saw them acting with each other. And yet they only really care, uh, they being the people that are defending themselves in this case, uh, the, the left, uh, I guess, or, or these specific individuals, uh, they only really care about if you can prove it. They don't care if it's obvious that it's true. Uh, they care if you can definitively prove this. So essentially they're putting their nose up and saying the rules do not apply to me and then immediately saying the rules have to be applied to everyone when they continue to go after Trump. Just the hypocrisy of it, it it's so it's so fantastic. Uh, that I, I can't tell you how important this story feels like it is in the world of, of news and political uh, media, uh, not because you're, ever, you're even going to remember the names, say, you know, six months or a year from now, but because of how on display it is that I don't care what the rules are that I apply to the other side of the aisle. I, in fact, will never follow them, and I don't even want to be challenged in following them at any point in any way whatsoever, and that, to me, is is terrible. All right, that's number two on the list. Let's number do this. One. Thank you, David Letterman. I know I always take too long with this. I just skipped all my audio. Uh, number one on this list to me is that our president is now calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Uh, this is something that will not be uh, good news for Israel, uh, not something that Benjamin Netanyahu or anyone else uh, will likely embrace. Um, but the president of the United States says that he hopes to have a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas by Monday uh, of next week. So he is expecting uh, Israel to decide that they no longer need to fight terrorists who uh, killed a lot of people in Israel for one reason and one reason only, that they want to kill everybody uh, in that country. Um, and I know that there's a lot of takes on this. And I know the takes have been been changing. And I know even, I guess, like leaning media in one direction uh, had been saying the whole time that it's just wrong to ceasefire. So as I say this on the air myself, you might dismiss it. You might think to yourself, oh, this is another hardcore right side of the aisle guy just saying the thing that he thinks everybody should be saying. But But that's not true. And you know it's not true, because if you lived in Israel, you would want your country to defend you from a terrorist group that wants to kill everyone that lives there, every, all of your friends and family. They, they have a stated mission to, to kill everyone uh, on that you know, other side of that conflict. And so absolutely, it's a tragedy, and absolutely, there needs to be a way to find uh, that avoids more of it, that, that innocent people are dying in this conflict. But to 100% blame Israel for that and not blame Hamas, the organization that's putting people in harm's way, also doesn't make sense. That is the way that one side of this conflict is fighting the conflict. They have a tunnel system. I feel like I've said all this before. They have a tunnel system under uh, the Gaza Strip that could be an absolute godsend to innocent people that could hide in the tunnel system. Uh, they developed it so that Hamas could move in and out of Israel and attack uh, Israeli people. Um, but the organization that's running Gaza, that, again, is Hamas, does not allow innocent women and children and people to go inside that underground 
not something that can be hit by bombs and whatnot, uh, part of of that, uh, you know, area in the world. And it just makes no sense, except you have to uh, understand the fact that they're doing that on purpose. And even leaders of Gaza or leaders of Hamas several times in interviews have said it's not our job to protect the people that voted us into power, uh, that voted us into this position. Uh, That's the job of someone else. Uh, Talk about, um, you know, not understanding mission one of the people you're in charge of, uh, the people that you're you're sworn to to lead if you refuse to protect their safety. A quick break. And I know a lot of people are thinking of some other leaders who are doing that, too. Quick break. A lot more. 1470. 100 points. This coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I think this little quick segment will be, hey, I already talked about that. Um, I mentioned this yesterday, but now we have audio that I can play of it. Um, This is a couple that packed their clothing for a trip with a hydraulic press, uh, which was amazing. Uh, They put all of the clothing for uh, both the man and the woman in one carry-on piece of luggage. Here's what it sounds like when you're going above and beyond in this world specifically. Uh, and this is, as I said, kind of crazy. In goes the hat. <laughs> I think this is going to work. Let's try with the jacket next. I got to be honest, man. Even just the, the voice of this guy is so perfect for this. Because I, I can see this guy just hanging out in his house with his hydraulic press, seeing what crazy things he can do with it. And the wife goes, oh, we're taking a trip soon, and I hate the fact that, you know, the extra luggage you got to check in costs so much money. And he's like, no, it won't. I'll hydraulic press it. I'm going to say that the jacket might be slightly hard because it's so large. <laughs> we would need a bigger tool, but uh-huh. the shirts are going to be easy. Oh, it's easy. I think it's going to be pretty straightforward to unfold. Just quick ironing, and it's brand new. <laughs> ah, so easy. Just a little quick ironing after you hydraulic press your clothing into a bag. <laughs> Uh, the world we live in is odd, uh, and no one should have bought that guy a hydraulic press. He he definitely needs it to be taken away from him. Uh, no, that's not true. I, I shouldn't say that. I'm uh, very amused by this. All right, this is a topic I didn't talk about, uh, but I do want to play uh, quickly. An Ohio woman says that she was charged $1,000 for a Subway sandwich. I know the prices have gone up. I know inflation is bad. Uh, this seems uniquely bad, though, to have it be a grand for a Subway sandwich. I don't even know if she got the foot long or if she went for the six-inch, but here we go. No way, unless it's wrapped in gold and is from some other place. I would never pay $1,010 for a Subway sandwich. <laughs> I'm just trying to make ends meet at this point in time. Stressed, overwhelmed. Um, I couldn't get groceries at one point because my, my account was negative. All right, look, I also heard it, and I think you heard it. It was $1,010. That $10 is an extra slap in the face. If you're going to a Subway and they're charging you $1,000 for food and then throwing an extra 10 bucks on, I don't know if that was a tip or something. That's just No me. way, unless it's wrapped in gold and is from some other place. Uh, I would never pay $1,010 for a Subway sandwich. <laughs> give her back the $10, please. Give her that back quickly. Well, actually, if you're AT&T, you're going to give someone exactly 5 to $10, and that should be good enough. Uh, we can keep the 1000 right? Uh, but that is another topic out there that I just love, um, and hopefully this has been righted now that it's viral and all over the place. Uh, one last thing before I take a break, uh, and then news does not take a break. They keep going, and then I come back after that, and I do some stuff. Uh, apparently, a lot of Americans would be totally fine if they had a job offer with the exact same amount of money, uh, even the same responsibilities at a totally different place of employment. A poll of 2,000 employees in America found 55% of people 
would prefer having personalized forms of gratitude given to them in the workplace. 52% would prefer a raise. 28% would prefer promotions. Uh, those are some of the biggest reasons that you become dissatisfied uh, with the place you're working, uh, according to this uh, study. And then, as I said, 61% of people uh, said that if I had a job offer, to go across the street and do the same thing in the other place uh, for the same money, I would absolutely do it. You know what I'll say about that, by the way, like my immediate reaction to it? Because it, it reminds me of um, the Great Resignation, where a whole bunch of people were quitting. A lot of young people, admittedly, were quitting jobs and either changing professions or going somewhere else or, or just not doing anything. Uh, the grass is always greener. And I imagine if you have challenges, if you have things you face in a workplace, that if you go somewhere else, uh, you might wind up with challenges there, too, of any kind, uh, whether of your own making or not. You might wind up with things you got to deal with, uh, which means that sometimes uh, knowing what you can expect with where you are uh, might be better than the unknown. Not always. I would say that that's not always the case, of course. It depends on you and all the circumstances and whatnot. But it is interesting, the amount of people that just think there's there's got to be something better, the fear of missing out thing that seems to take control of so many of us in the society in which we live right now, uh, making you want to roll the dice and see uh, it didn't say for less money. No one's taking a pay cut uh, to try another option. They're taking just the exact same pay and the exact same job and not around any of the people that they're currently working with, uh, which is it says something. But again, I, I think there's flawed logic there uh, in believing that whatever the, the challenges are, uh, you won't have, even if it's something totally different, something new, um, you know, with you wherever you go next. All right. Uh, as I say that, I decide it's time for me to take a pause. It's time for TJ to do the opposite. It's the Craig Collins Show. You can stream us at WMBDRadio.com and listen to us anywhere or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio. Here's TJ Carson live and local in the WMBD Radio Newsroom. Craig, an update just came in on a story we've been following all day. An Illinois Valley Community High School student has been identified as the victim in this morning's fatal crash north of Chillicothe. Peoria County Coroner Jamie Harwood says 16-year-old Devin Altman of Sparland was pronounced dead at OSF Healthcare St. Francis Medical Center just before 8.45 a.m. He says Altman suffered multiple blunt force trauma injuries and likely died instantly. The two-vehicle crash occurred on Illinois Route 29 at Hardscrabble Road just after 7.15 a.m. The driver of the other vehicle involved was also taken to the hospital. Funding talks continue on Capitol Hill ahead of a potential government shutdown later this week. Earlier today at the White House, the top Democrat and Republicans in the House and Senate met here at the White House with President Biden in the Oval Office to discuss government funding, trying to keep the government open when funding is set to aspire for some of the government Friday. Now, this conversation was about a lot more than just that. The meeting covered aid to Israel and Ukraine and the southern border. House Speaker Mike Johnson says his purpose today was to express that the federal government needs to take care of America's needs first and that's securing the border. Once the administration addresses that, he says, House Republicans will handle aid for Ukraine and Israel in a timely manner. The White House says Republicans already negotiated that deal among senators, and then they walked away. Fox's Rich Edson from the White House. The Senate recently passed a $95 billion national security bill supplying military assistance to Ukraine, aid to Israel, and funding to Taiwan. More at WMBDRadio.com. Police officers on the campus of Bradley and Illinois State Universities are starting to take more of an approach at violence and crime prevention. This, as nationally, there have been a number of recent incidents of violence and shootings on college campuses. Helping students feel safe in high-traffic buildings and increasing patrols is part 
part of the plan at Bradley University. We've leveraged a ton of that type of technology. We've added things like turnstiles in some of our high-frequent buildings so that we have a one-for-one ratio where, where somebody swipes in and that one singular person gets entry, entry in. Bradley Police Chief Brian Joshko tells 25 News that's in addition to helping students adjust to learning in an urban environment. ISU's police chief, meanwhile, suggests violence prevention wasn't always a priority until recently. WNBD News is brought to you by Presley's Outdoors. Fishing season is quickly upon us, and Presley says hundreds of new fishing items in stock. Lures, rods, reels, and more. See it all and get 10% off. I can love you, I can be anything you want of me and in the darkness of the night. Baby, let me be 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. Bunch of stuff to talk about. It is almost time for good story, bad story. That's where I tell you one thing that's good that happened in the world that makes you say like, hey, uh, stuff's okay. Everybody's nice to each other. Something like that. And then we ruin that feeling entirely because that is, in fact, the world. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to do uh, something else uh, real quick. I-, I saw this story and I thought it was interesting. I think it's Yahoo Finance uh, that put it out. The seven things the middle class won't be able to afford in the next five years. Uh, a lot of things are getting more and more expensive. And what's interesting is it's creating more uh, separation between those who are capable of some things that I would have uh, at one point described as like core parts of the American dream and people who are probably not uh, going to be capable of that. When you wonder why inflation or, or any of those topics wind up being at the absolute top of the list uh, year in and year out for what people want to see their politicians do better at, it's because of this stuff. It's because of what we do uh, with our lives and and our money, essentially. Uh, number one on this list is extended family vacations. Uh, people will not be able to take longer, even week-long trips in the next five years, according to a CEO, a coin ledger, I guess, who was interviewed for this. Uh, he would say that the extended family trip, especially overseas, uh, will increase in cost to the degree that it will be uh, something that the middle class does not do regularly, if at all. Uh, and that would be uh, upsetting. Uh, buying new cars is something that over the next five years, according to a finance expert also interviewed uh, by the, um, um, you know, by the Yahoo Finance people, uh, said that this will just be out of reach. It, it'll be thing that if you're driving uh, something new off the lot, uh, more likely than not, the cost of it will uh, be. And honestly, you know what I'll say about this one, too, because uh, I, I believe this to actually be true. A new car has got to be one of the coolest things you buy in your entire life. Like like getting in a new car that you own, driving off the lot. That's got to be one of the cool. I've never had that feeling, but it's got to be amazing. Uh, but I, I would say that used cars and even the way in which used cars get reconditioned now, especially if you go to a really great place to do it, uh, used cars get reconditioned to be so valuable, so, uh, you know, uh, affordable um, compared to the new ones that it's hard to say no to them uh, today in our society. You know, a new car will feel awesome. And I, I definitely would recommend anyone that's in uh, any, you know, sort of um, uh, range to do it. Uh, and actually, a buddy of mine, uh, Brian Noonan, who I have on the show uh, from time to time, although it's been a while, has only bought new cars in his life, even when he couldn't really afford them. And he drives them into the ground. He goes, I buy like one new car every so often whenever I need to purchase it. And then that's my car until it falls completely apart. I, I kind of like that to go from beginning to end. Uh, with a vehicle. Uh, Another thing that'll be very difficult for the middle class to achieve is private school education. Uh, This is something that you'll wind up deciding to save money on and sending your kids uh, to public school, uh, according to the experts. Uh, Also, um, did I ever uh, get my uh, Tiguan? Uh, Someone just texted me. Did I ever get my Tiguan? No, I did not. I did not wind up purchasing that car in California. Um, I'm still working on 
uh, what's going to be the next um, uh, vehicle uh, for me. Um, I'm sort of working on it. I could explain more uh, detail uh, some other time. I, I, I purchased a vehicle uh, for very, very cheap um, because it, it's not a vehicle that's going to last a long time because I needed something to get me around places. Um, and so I, I, I made a purchase, uh, but it's not going to be the purchase. It's just the purchase for right now. Uh, and I, I got a good deal on it because I bought it from an old lady uh, who was very, very sweet. Uh, the, the whole encounter was was very, very kind. But anyway, okay, moving on. Uh, homeownership and real estate are other things that are going to be challenging uh, for people to deal with uh, according to, well, the middle class to deal with according to the quote-unquote experts. Uh, healthcare costs and leisure and other travel time in retirement are all things that in the next five years, people are projecting the middle class will be less capable of affording uh, than they were before. And again, a lot of those things, they feel like a core aspect of what I would or maybe most people would describe as uh, the American dream. All right, that's that's not a good story. So let's go ahead and do a good story, and let's get to good story, bad story. Uh, first, this is amazing. I don't think when you learn how to drive a bus for school, they go through a lesson of what happens if that bus catches fire and you have students on board. Uh, but this woman, uh, Diona Washington, did a lot of incredible stuff. Uh, the bus caught fire. She saved 28 kids. I got them to safety. Uh, she's a hero who's being praised in the community. Uh, one of the big things they're saying about her is that her instincts and quick actions absolutely saved the lives of all the kids. Gotta think you're getting a Christmas gift uh, for this bus driver if your kid was on that bus. And it better be something nice. Here's a little bit of audio that goes with this story as well. The bus is in full flames and is near trees and apartments. Kind of when I popped the brake, that's when it was like more smoke. And then this one, I'm like, okay, we got to go. My kids are on my bus. They're normally calm anyway. So they just got up. I'm like, we got to move. And they're like, okay, Ms. D, we're going out the back or the front. I'm like, we're going out the back because we can't go out the okay. front. Okay. Here, I also really love that in the description. And I've told this story on the air before. It's probably been a while. And forgive me for telling it again. But I remember as a little kid how afraid I was of fire, but also how often you get taught in, in school what to do if there's a fire or if a fire alarm goes off. So just like this uh, bus driver is describing the kids being overly calm, I'm like, all right, we've been trained for this. What way do we go? Well, how do we walk? We get in file and we get off the bus. Uh, I remember when I lit my toaster on fire as a little kid trying to make a, a grilled cheese sandwich by putting the cheese and the bread into the toaster and putting it on. Uh, my mom had not seen what I had done. I don't even know how I got up on the on the counter high enough to do it, by the way. And something caught fire. I'm assuming the cheese. And as soon as I saw that happen, I didn't speak. I didn't communicate anything. I ran or maybe like jogged out to the front of my house and then sat down on the ground and put my head down in my lap like I was trained to do in school. And I waited. And my mom eventually came out to the front door. She saw me on the ground. She goes, the fire's out. Like she looked at me kind of confused. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. So I went back inside because that's what I learned to do. And I think I was grabbing more bread and more cheese when my mom stopped me and said, no, 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 I'll make you the grilled cheese. You go sit in the other room. Uh, but that that is kind of a cool thing about kids, whether it's the innocence of children or the honesty of children, whatever it might be, uh, that in some situations, if you've been trained to know what to do uh, or told by adults what to do, that's just what you do. Uh, if there's a fire, you go ahead and wait outside until they tell you that you're allowed to go back inside because uh, you've done that a bunch of times in school. All right, that's the good story. Now let's do the bad story. Uh, this bad story to me is funny, but I'm a juvenile. Uh, so a developer of a property in uh, New York City uh, is going to name their skyscraper a very unfortunate thing. Uh, a 56-story office skyscraper is going to be erected is within the description of this story. And um, the name of this state-of-the-art uh, redeveloped plan for this building 
is going to be Penn 15, uh, P-E-N-N, by the way, uh, which is supposed to stand for Penn Station, uh, which is in New York City, of course, and then the number 15. A lot of people have noticed uh, that if you put that as a you know word together, that it kind of looks like the five is an S, and then you think you're reading a very different thing. And so a lot of people are making fun of this. A lot of people are talking about how dumb it is to call it the Penn 15 uh, state-of-the-art <laughs> building. Um, and I imagine there's going to be graffiti and other things that happen, because this, this is the world we live in. Uh, these, are, these are the people that we are. Um, and I, I really can't get over it. I know it seems like such a silly, a bad story, but really name it something else, man, like anything else. Uh, 15 pen would be totally fine. That would be that would work much, much better uh, than this does. And uh, they know it. I think they obviously know it. Uh, there's going to be a tennis court, an event venue, 150 foot tall uh, billboard on the site is announcing all this stuff. I would not want to go to an event at Pen 15. I'm just saying that if it were me and I was invited, I'd be like, I'm busy tonight. Uh, me and the missus have something else we got to do. Uh, 1470, 100.3. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, the Craig Collins Show. I don't know why I saved this till the end of the show. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase in radio, leave them depressed. Uh, do the saddest topics, or at least the most uh, disappointing topics at the end of your show. And yet this is sort of what we're doing. At least one of them. And, and it's silly, uh, disappointing, not genuinely sad. I guess there's a McDonald's in Alaska uh, that has been completely abandoned since 1994. Uh, Someone recently discovered it. Uh, The place in which it is, there's an island, uh, has 154 total people in it. So the fact that they had a McDonald's up until 1994 is pretty cool uh, because you definitely knew everybody that came into that store. Uh, But anyway, it's gone viral because of the prices that have been left on the menu from the mid-1990s for food items that we now pay a ridiculous amount of money for today. Uh, Here are some of those items. And again, this is probably... Uh, going to depress some of us. A Big Mac used to cost two dollars and forty-five cents. A Big Mac meal was four fifty-nine back in nineteen ninety-four in Alaska. A six-piece chicken nugget was two thirty-five. That feels high. I feel like a lot of places had the ninety-nine cent five-piece uh, then. Uh, a, ha- a Happy Meal cost three thirty-six. An Egg McMuffin one dollar and ninety-five cents. Uh, just for comparison's sake, now a Big Mac meal, which includes a burger, fries, and a drink. It's increased to $18 in some locations, uh, $4.59 in 1994. Um, this many years later, 30 years later, it is a ridiculously large uh, change in that pricing. Uh, a financial strategist said that we probably shouldn't uh, look at these things. Well, no, he said other stuff. He said the price of these items sold at McDonald's have to do with inflation, but also commercial property pricing, gas prices, interest rates, car prices, uh, essentially meaning the location of it might have made it more uh, inexpensive uh, than a McDonald's at that time, somewhere more expensive. So comparing it to like the one in Chicago right now isn't really fair. Um, I don't care. Uh, it sounds great uh, to have prices that low. And honestly, everybody had a 99-cent chicken nugget. You you know that. You remember it. I remember it. I was in uh, high school in the 2000s, and I could still get a 99-cent chicken nugget, and it was great. It was one of my favorite. The very early 2000s, for anyone that now thinks that I'm, I'm very young all of a sudden. And everyone that thinks I'm very old, well, well screw you. <laughs> That's essentially what I want to say. Anyone that thinks the, the 2000s, oh, man, that guy's ancient, that he was in high school then, uh, that's not nice. You're not being nice. Uh, another thing out there, people don't care about being nice anymore, and you shouldn't. It's fine. Uh, another thing out there that I like is flight attendants ex- describing why they sit on their hands uh, during takeoff and landing. Uh, this, I guess, was answered by somebody on uh, social media, uh, a flight attendant. 
Uh, she said that the reason that people do this is it's called the bracing position, uh, which means that the flight attendant is most aware uh, that the whole thing could go bad, that everything could crash, uh, that it would be a very uh, poor experience for you. Uh, the door doesn't fly off mid-flight. Uh, it just um, goes to crap right away. And so that's how they're trained to sit at the beginning and the ending uh, in a position to anticipate something horrible happening, which luckily almost never does. Uh, but it's not something that we now want to know. See, this is the stuff that I don't want anyone to ever tell me. I'm totally fine thinking the reason that every um, flight attendant on every plane sits on their hands because they need to warm them up a little bit. That's better for me. Uh, Ignorance is bliss is something I believe in a lot uh, at times. Uh, I definitely want a lot of information about things that matter, but things where I can't I can't do stuff like I have I have no control over the situation or no ability to try to. Uh, encourage others along with me to control a situation like if a plane crashes and I'm sitting in the middle of it, then I just don't want to know. Then then just keep that a secret. I actually I you know what? I just thought of this. I really loved uh, a class I took in college uh, that was all about. Uh, well, it was a philosophy class and I really enjoyed philosophy, but it was all it was essentially uh, a week of debate it was all about if it's better to be stupid or smart. And that it was a philosophical conversation. And I'm going to give you the gist of it. And you probably already figured out where you're going. Uh, the the dumber someone might be, the more unaware of things someone might be. And that might actually be a good thing, especially in the society in which we live today, that you don't really want to be aware of a lot of stuff. And honestly, and this was really before cell phones were as ubiquitous as they are now, um, I, I thought to myself that even then it felt like there was an onslaught of information. And I remember my teacher kind of amazing in what he said is he said he thought there was a perfect point between the amount of knowledge that you had and the amount of things you weren't aware of. And there's, there's a perfect line there that actually creates the most likelihood for happiness. You know enough. You're not going to, you know, do something you shouldn't do. You're not going to wind up in a situation you shouldn't be in. But you don't know too much. And there's parts of me that believe that that's true. However, I, I would also say now uh, growing up a little bit more and being more familiar with the political system, uh, that that is actually also to our detriment. The the less that we know in society and the more that only a subset of people know things, uh, the worse off we're going to be. Uh, the worse off things are going to be for us, uh, the people outside of the know. Uh, the core, uh, you know, small groups of individuals uh, who run everything, uh, wherever it is they are, in an office place or in Washington, D.C., uh, are usually the people that are looking out for themselves, uh, which is not so good for everybody else, uh, again. And so I, I think that that's sort of a change to me now in the philosophical debate of how knowledgeable or how smart I'd want to be compared to how happy uh, you're going to be in life. Uh, the idea that knowledge brings sadness is scary uh, to me, actually, for a variety of reasons. All right, let's move on. Uh, now that I'm done with the philosophical uh, debate of the show, and I am giggling a lot. I know, I can't help it. Uh, I saw this. I thought this was interesting. A lot of young women, uh, Gen Z specifically, are embracing and encouraging men to be more baby girl or have a baby girl vibe to them. This is real. The the what New York Post is this. Instead of being toxically masculine, um, I don't understand anything about it. So-called Baby Girl was a promotion as a host on Saturday Night Live uh, in January, I guess, talked about. Um, it's essentially just not being anything. That's the the typical uh, thought of a man. Uh, the definition for Baby Girl, I have it in front of me. It's recently been adopted, remaining as a term of endearment, but expanding to include a specific type of swoon-worthy man. Uh, he's someone who comes across as sweet, charming, a bit bashful, shy, and seemingly in touch with his, quote, feminine side. 
ready to talk about his feelings and carry a purse to brunch at any point. I'm assuming not my purse. I assume I'm carrying your purse out of lunch, out of brunch. I do not like, although I don't mind uh, when Betty hands me the purse. Uh, the only reason I don't like holding it is I don't want people to think it's mine. I don't know why. It's just in my brain. I won't judge you if you have one. But every time Betty hands her purse to me and then wanders away, I actually wear it like it's a, a backpack. I put it over one uh, shoulder, and then I fling it behind my back. So I, I hope someone thinks I just have a really small backpack on, and I don't, I don't carry it purse style. I can't. I don't know. I wouldn't consider myself uh, aggressively, toxically masculine, uh, even though I don't really think that's a thing. I think masculinity is vilified uh, now, and I think there's a lot of good that comes with being a man. Uh, being a man doesn't mean that you're abusive. It doesn't mean that you're you're violent. Uh, none of those things have to be being a man. But I, I think you do have to, you know, at some point in your life, decide to. I don't know how to say this better. I keep thinking of this in my in my brain. No, I shouldn't say it that way. I should say it a different way. You got to man up. You got to you got to decide that. You can rise above this or that or whatever and be be strong. Um, unloading your emotions all the time in every situation isn't actually the most beneficial to you. Um, keeping some of that to yourself or to a smaller group of friends or, say, you know, a counselor of some kind is actually better for you, I think, than the world of, of everyone telling everyone they know via social media all the drama that they're facing, all the challenges they're facing, and how, uh, boo-hoo, this is unfair to me. I'm not trying to say that some people aren't telling the truth uh, and that they are in uniquely bad situations, but it's white noise now. We, we all just ignore it. We all, we all don't even see it or hear it or pay attention to it uh, because so many people uh, do it. And so I do think that some of these things that they're, they're vilifying, um, you know, a, a toxic, masculine uh, person, a macho guy, is someone who doesn't share a whole lot of his feelings, it's just it's kind of ridiculous. And honestly, it seems like the, the goal there is to separate us, separate men from women, uh, make somebody the good guy and somebody the bad guy in a situation that doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, like what are, what are things that you would describe as inherently mas masculine if I were to ask you uh, right now, uh, if you were to think about them? Uh, what are they? Uh, one thing that I think of, and it's only because I've been learning how to shoot a gun now and going to the shooting range, is hunting. Uh, hunting is something that I guess I would think of as inherently masculine, although I'm not saying women don't do it and women aren't great at it. There's a bunch of women who do it and a bunch of women who I'm sure are great at it. Uh, but it's just one of many things that I think it's odd to, to pretend as though there might not be some role in the interest in it uh, that comes from uh, the biological makeup of people and the hunter-gatherer version of stuff that exists uh, just deep in my DNA, uh, deep in my DNA. Uh, but anyway, on that note, I had other topics. I'm going to skip them. I got to go. Uh, Dave Ramsey's coming up next, uh, and TJ Carson's got your news. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, everywhere.